podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. As I've said before, the best Star Trek podcast on the planet. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm not trying to back out of that agreement. Thank you, Keiko. You're, you're, you're a woman of honor. Kind of a, a, an appropriate thing following your rant. Not a rant. More of a... Statement of fact. Spirited statement. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't want to get off on a rant here. Dennis Miller. <laughs> sounded very southern. It did. It really did. It did. I don't want to it, get off on a rant. It was James Carville making fun of <laughs> Dennis Miller. It was, it was a dead-on James Carville. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Raging Cajun. Um, it would be amazing if, to do an SNL audition and just do a bunch of things that didn't sound like the person go, actually, yeah, like, actually you know what, that was James Carville. That's, that's, that's James Carville doing an impression of Dennis Miller. That actually is I, a genius, I explain it after. A genius way to do your, either to get on or to tank your SNL audition. Oh, yeah. Hello, tanks. Here we come. Uh, yes, Andy, we're talking about, uh, Dramatis Personae. There's only two episodes left after this of season one of Deep Space Nine. He was just commenting. He couldn't believe it. We're getting closer and closer to the arrival of Worf. That's, he's still four, still right? Some, still some time yet, but. Right. That's still, that's closer. only two seasons. That's true. We're getting closer to. Me remembering to record a podcast and turn on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> I don't think it's never going to happen. I'm never going to remember. <laughs> Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you did not get an email. I did. And it's asking if I'd like to lease a Porsche. Are, are you a deleter? Is, uh, no, thank you. Are you a deleter? Do you delete of, your emails that you don't what? read? Are you like keep your email? I try your to. Email? Oh, yeah. But right now I have 178,000 emails. Unread, so I um, Dan Slot had had post had tweeted something and uh, about how many emails he had, and then and then I scaled down because other people were like, that's nothing. Hey, you got seven thousand, blah blah blah." And other people were putting more and more, and uh, and I was like, what? "I can't." And I had the most, which was something like four hundred thousand. That is, if it's more than my thing, I'm a jiggy. That's a fucked up. Of anybody's, it was any, but it was more than anybody's on the thing, and I'm like, you have, you have a half of a million unread emails. Yeah, well, I mean, I see what they are. You know, it's not like I don't. I mean, I'm very, I'm very similar to you, but I try to like sit there, like if I think of it and I have my phone in my hand. Uh, if I read an email on my phone, there's a great chance of me like going through and highlighting a bunch of emails and deleting the red. You know what I mean? It's yeah, I can see how it would be satisfying. I guess I just see it's not satisfying because I'm never gonna like I'll never get ahead of it. 
Well, that's why in the end I gave up. I'm also a person who hangs on to a bunch of crap in real life, so I'm like, that's going to take precedence over getting you know rid what of it is? imaginary Se- digital email. Secretly, here's yeah. what the problem is with me. There's a there's emails in there, yes, that I've had every intention of responding to, yeah, from various people in my life that I've not responded to, and I've kept them unread. Which, for some reason in my head, means I'll go back to them. Uh-huh. Which is why I can't simply sort by unread messages and delete all of the ones that are unread. Because uh-huh. in my mind, that means that I will officially never return the emails. I'm talking about emails from five years ago. Oh, yeah. Like. Me too. Someone asking for advice on like how to get into podcasting. I'm sure there's a few of those in there. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, and I'm like, I'm like, I got to get back to this, and and I'm going to return this email for sure, and then I fucking never do. And uh, that man was Jason Bateman. Uh, yes, actually, it was Will. It was Will Arnett, and, uh, and he's he like, said oh, he just... would give us a cut of all of their profits, and I oh, ignored no. it. That was weird, right? I should not. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> let's dive in. Real quick to our show, uh, we'll get this out of the way first. Should you watch the episode? Let's find out. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? No. Reasonable. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? No. <laughs> I would say of all the, uh, maybe of all the, the DS9 episodes because we've been up and down and people, some people have been complaining up a storm on the, on the, um, uh, on the boards, you know, complaining, it, complaining that more people aren't listening to this podcast because it's so good. <laughs> well, that is certainly yeah. It. I, I mean, I gotta say, Matt, I, you got a tremendous amount of to me unfounded love for your, for your, for your very aggressive stance that we're the best Star Trek podcast. I mean, um, we are. I'm still, lot of, still you got a love. Granted, these are the people on the Patreon who are, who are you know, who are lifers. Still steadfastly but... <laughs> agree with that. I just, I just don't know what evidence you're pointing to to prove that. But, the evidence uh, is I've, I've listened to mo- a lot of them. Yeah, have you listened to us? Yes, every time we do it. And I got to say, I always have a good laugh. (laughs) Never listen to a single episode of this podcast. I'm talking about while we're recording it. Yeah, sure. You hear your own voice. That doesn't count. Well, look, I hear you too sometimes. And then I also hear. Sometimes. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, Within Without You, that's the U2 song I hear every time I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. It was the only one I could think of. Anyway, <laughs> Admiral's Club, go. Admiral's Club. Go to leave a five-star review and join the Admiral's Club. Matt, how do they get into this Admiral's Club? It's very easy. The door we just walked in, go through it. Yeah. But if you can't find that door, just go ahead and leave a five-star review of this podcast wherever you're getting your podcasts, whatever podcatcher you're using, Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, Downcast, Pocket Cast, whatever it is, write that five-star review and you're in, and uh, maybe Andy will read it on the show. Well, 
first we had a tweet from Jeff Woolsley. At, Again, this could be a five-star review anywhere, apparently. Um, I mean, you know, it could be... Look, if you can tweet uh, something, uh, try and tweet it to your main feed. Uh, you know, something nice. If you can put it on a face group. But Facebook also, group. you have to write five stars somewhere. Otherwise, we're yeah, not going to... Oh, yeah, definitely put the five star. Well, this, yeah. guy didn't, this guy didn't put the five stars. But uh, if it's on Apple... Well. You know what's interesting is... Yes. I think I've said this before. There are a couple of four-star reviews. That's okay. I get it. They can't possibly find it themselves to give us a perfect rating. That have their critiques in it. So it's clearly they listen to the pod yeah. enough to go, well, I don't want you to read this, so I'm not going to give you five. But they give us four, which is nice, but then it's critical. It's a very interesting combination of, uh, of things. I think maybe those the four star people are the people that care the most. Could be, could be. Certainly more than us, because we haven't uh, fixed any of those things they talked about. Anyway, uh, Jeff uh, Wolseley says, uh, and this is in regards to uh, Move Along Home. Uh, I believe this episode is why I stopped watching DS Nine on the initial run. I'm now going through the whole series to end with Myra and Secunda Star Trek CNC. Um, thank you for joining us. David S. Welcome to the Admirals Club with the loosest interpretation ever. You're in. Uh, David S., uh, do you have a complaint? Do, would you like me to be a little bit stricter? I'm just is trying to get the word Is there out. a complaint section? <laughs> I think this. you are the complaint section. <laughs> um, well, then hang on. I'll play my, I'm going to play my jingle, and then, and then after I play my jingle, I will open up my complaints. You do have one for this, don't you? Hang on. What did I do with it? This is the best Star Trek podcast you're listening to. Shh. <laughs> and I don't want the world to see. My nipples! Because I don't think that they'd understand. My nipples! I mean, you definitely for sure. Welcome to my segment of complaints. You definitely for sure have an actual. I don't know what it was called, but it was like it it wasn't. May not have been Matt's complaints. This is a theme song for Matt because Andy has way too many. No, that was that's how it goes. That's my theme. No, this is a theme song for Matt because oh Andy no, you're right. That, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was that. One. You're the one who has all the themes. Here, yeah. look. Andy needs a girlfriend. Matt has asked for yet another. That one's this one's sort of it. There was definitely one that was Matt's, Matt's complaints or Matt's issues or Matt's fucking problems with everything. Here it is. Oh no, it's Andy's comic complaints. <laughs> oh, there it you is. Hear that? Andy's. Yeah, it's Andy's comic complaints. Let me see. Let me see if I can. This isn't going to be good. Good sound. Yeah, it's not going to work. It didn't work. Because it doesn't come out of your speakers. It comes out of your headphones. Hang on. Andy's common complaints. This is very, very slick. That was from Stephen Rains. You say I complain. I haven't heard from Stephen in a while. I wonder if he was... uh, Probably gave us four stars and left. I wonder if he was disappointed with the airtime. Anyway... uh, Get, uh, keep on trucking with the world's best 
Star Trek podcast from Shinix. Listen, listen to the next episode from my complaint corner. Yeah, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be a jingle. Uh, Shinix thirteen. Uh, cool name says hi Andy uh, I've listened since season one when I heard Matt talking about it on talk salad it introduced me to my man crush Andy finally swapped over to iPhone though so I can leave a rating that matters hello Admirals Club five stars I hope you I hope that was like the deciding factor in you getting an iPhone me too I can finally give that podcast five stars all right I'll do it <laughs> Apple, if you'd like to uh, sponsor us, we are sponsorless. <laughs> you don't hear Apple sponsoring a lot of podcasts, do you? <laughs> Turns out they don't really need to do anything. To need it. Uh, that's it for the. Uh, and everybody, welcome to the United Federation of Planets President Circle. What's this you say? Well, it's a great place to be. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and support the show. In doing so, you ensure that the show keeps on trucking and get yourself a buttload of audio content. That's right. Up to currently... The card? Six, six. I mean, there's six of the three, like 20 hours a month of content at least. That seems right. Uh, yeah. now, in, in addition, obviously, the hundreds of hours of content from the archive. Oh, yeah. If you're like, I, uh, but I want more. Guess what? It's all back there. We're currently- Every episode we've ever recorded for the Patreon is still available. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Support us. Write a comment. You get yourself some priority one access. Andy does look at those first, and uh, he'll find an occasional comment that tickles his fancy so much that it gets a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Who's getting it this week? Uh, just to give you some samples, there were a lot of people who supported your insanity, uh, but Matthew Essekanen, uh hailed us. Agreed, Matt. I don't understand why you aren't the most popular Star Trek podcast ever. And then MS, MST3K. That sounded a little facetious, but I like it. <laughs> I don't think so. MST3K uh, says, Andy and Matt, never change. We're all here for the train wreck that is this podcast. I don't know if that agrees with me, but yeah, thank you. Um, oh, I guess I did put it in here. This is where it is. You know, sometimes we have a, a to poll that we we put. We ask we ask people here. So we, you know, it, it's a it's a Dick Warlock original. You're not going to play it for the main pod. Uh, you know, I didn't pull it because it wasn't for the main pod. So right, now well, go I and pull. Tell you, this was the debate. Classic we had, Andy. Dick. Won't now skip it. Is... We had a conversation before the show started. I know, and we agreed. And then Andy. Sandbag we didn't. Name. We didn't agree. You. You made an. You said an ultimatum. You said I hate Dick Warlock and everything he does. He's my enemy. And I said, that's but he's such a great guy. He made a popular uh, MVC theme. Everybody loves him. And he said, and I don't I care. Said, yeah. I'm jealous of him. <laughs> yeah. What else did I say? Um. You know, we we talked about uh, marshmallows a little while longer. Sure. 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 Uh. Um, pull everything? Okay, here it is. Uh, so, so the patron aspect explain. in a T'Pol jingle. Here's my attempt. He's, he's he's still saying it wrong. It's a T'Pol because I'm we run it, polls I'm in. I'm going to Paul. You think it should be a T'Pol? 
I guess yeah, because so. then it's not funny if you're just saying to Paul. It's not funny. Don't get me. It's not funny. That's a subjective perspective. Okay. Well, there's I'm no a spin comedy on, professional too. There's no spin on anything if you're just saying to Paul. Well, that's actually fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to Paul it is. Because <laughs> you can't run a to Paul. Yeah. You have to run a to Paul. Okay. The Vision Quest Opinion. It's time for a T-Pole. See, he's doing a whole other thing. T-Pole. <laughs> Live long and respond to the T-Pole. You know what? The Amok Time callback in that? Yeah. That was fucking great. That was great. I think uh, putting it over here. T pole though, uh, it shouldn't be T pole. Uh, I don't think that that doesn't that doesn't make uh, any more well, sense than mine does. I'll accept that mine was off, but uh, look, all I'm saying is the only one who was correct is me. But that was fantastic. Thank you, Dick Warlock, aka Nathan Haney. Dick Warlock, you know what? We'll name it after your song. I don't care. Uh, priority one messages are open. Boy, oh boy. This well, is they're not open old. technically yet. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. So loud. Yeah, that was um, very loud. Lieutenant Sandra B. says in regards to this last episode, um, confusingly titled The Forsaken. I guess because Odo's The Forsaken? Is that the reason? Who knows? Um, anyway, I yes, my uh, favorite, spelled as Matt calls it the correct way, uh, Luxana moment in the turbo lift. Also, in the Admirals Club conversation, the fact that after all these years you still don't know how the pod works makes it way more endearing and fun to listen to. Well, we're glad, <laughs> because we don't seem to have any control over it. You're very welcome. Matt's just doing it intentionally. He could, he could make this thing run like... Uh, like a train in Italy during the war. Yes, I'd need a partner to do that, though. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Not someone constantly foiling my train. Whoa. He needs a different partner to be a proper fascist. I just need you to get better. Brett Schofield says, Yippee-ki-yay, Myra Secunda. <laughs> Got a lot of love that comment. Andrew D. Meyer says, when will Secunda be on Indiana Jonesing? Yes, Andrew. When will that happen? I don't know. Apparently that, that show's out. Oh, it's been out for a couple of weeks. I didn't even know it. So go listen if you want it. If you don't want it, it's still out. It doesn't have me in it. You should be warned. Cosmo and James Moore says, say, collectively, DS9 has a lot less turbo lift talking scenes. It was a very common thing in TNG. Is the only lift set built the one that goes to ops? I assume there are lifts that go sideways around the rings. Seems like it would have to be. You know right? what, though? They have the promenade to do that, those, those talks. They have that giant set they built called the promenade. For the walk and talks. Yeah. Yeah. Although they're not private can't have intimate conversations that way. Yeah, but I mean, how often are they really having, well, I guess almost all the conversations in the turbo lifter. I guess that's what the offices are for. They do have off. Everyone's got an office over there. Right. So. 
Um, except for O'Brien. Does O'Brien have an office? He's sort of just always walking around. O'Brien just fucking takes Cisco's office when he needs an office. Mm-hmm. He's like, Cisco, I, I sent him home <laughs> for his own safety. <laughs> uh, Chris G says, so basically O'Brien adopted a virtual pre- uh, a virtual pet, Star Trek's first Tamaguchi? In terms of the uh, the AI that he sticks in the Yes, no, but I'm trying to think end. of like if there were previous synthetic pets on Star Trek prior to this. Oh, good question. Uh, I mean, I guess Data. Oh, although Spot is real. I guess if you, if you think. Yeah, data, data what is was not her name? a pet. What was the daughter's name? <laughs> I'm not even going to entertain this. <laughs> um... Any robot pets? Daggett was a. It was just a full-on robot, right? Yeah. Oh, you didn't. K nine was on Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, I meant robot pets on Star Trek, but. Um. Kimaraki. Mm-hmm. A Garrick shop for tailing services only looks around shiftily. Says, I honestly think this is the best episode with Loxana. That's what most people. I think, think so. I mean, so far for sure. I, 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 I mean, I don't. I, to me, there's no question at all. I got to agree with that. It's. Uh, I'm going to send you. Menage Troy is probably my second favorite. Interesting. Menage Troy is just a romp. You know, this is a good episode for her. One that I don't. I didn't it wasn't a good episode about. totally, but it was a. I, the more I think about here? it, the more I like the episode. But we'll be talking about it more in these hails. Um, Christopher Moore hails us. Hey, Andy, I asked Chet GPT to write a song about you guys podcasting. Thought it'd be fun to share on the pod. Um, they're uh, long, and you're better at editing, so I just put it in the chat. You can read whatever verses you think are appropriate or worthwhile. Feel free it's to. It's interesting that chat, chat bot there, whatever the hell it's called. Chat GPT. Is trying to uh, the rhymes are sort of like record and before. Uh, <laughs> uh, Discovery mythology works. Holodeck, time sublime, sure. Picard ignored. Mm, that's another iffy one. Uh, that's a do. That's a different verse, right? That's the bridge. Wow. Yeah, they, they, it goes back to a bridge. Myron Secunda, two guys in the know, talking Star Trek on their podcast show. From the original to Discovery, they talk it all. It's their specialty. Not a good rhyme chatbot. They'll Discovery boldly too. go where no pot has gone before. Matt and Andy talking Trek forevermore. Engaging in discussions that never get old. Their love of Star Trek is worth more than gold. Thank you, chatbot. You know what this feels like, though? This feels like... Somebody paid someone uh, on Etsy or Craigslist or whatever. Hey, can you write a song about these guys? And that person could not be bothered to listen to the show. They just, they're just, eh, it's about Star Trek. I get it. Uh, oh, because of this, because of the bridge here where it says their chemistry is strong and their friendship is true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's they clearly, that they clearly haven't listened. That's, that's what that suggests to me. Chat GPT does not really access or listen to you know 
the podcast God, why would you themselves. expect it to? I don't know. It has access to all information, doesn't it? Does it? I don't know. It has access to a lot. I don't know anything lot. about it. It's terrifying. I don't know anything about it. that much. But thank you, everybody, for sending in your... <clears throat> Good to know we're on the AI's kill list now. Ultimate Trekker is... Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to be the first to go. Uh, Ultimate Trekker is spending a lot of time teaching Mrs. T.U.T. Uh, about changelings. Aside from the genuinely great TNG episode, Half a Life, Luxana has always was always annoying, grating, and guaranteed a bad episode. However, the more I think about this episode, the more I love it. The craziest thing is Luxana is the best part. She's toned down, especially in the turbo lift. lift. Mm. Shows real care for Odo when she takes off her wig and exposes her own self-consciousness and vulnerability. It explains why she is always so brassy and annoying. She's afraid of being more normal. I can relate to that. I'm surprised Odo isn't like more ashamed of what he looks like when he's fighting changing into a liquid. He is than he being turns... a liquid. No, no, it's the thing. The, the whole thing is he being a liquid is the thing he doesn't want to do in front of her. Uh, like going saying... into his liquid state. Well, he's still a human in That's humanoid him... form. Yeah, but he's fighting it so hard that then he starts to deteriorate a little bit. You know. You're saying he should be more ashamed of being a sweaty, sweaty guy than a yeah. puddle. Thousand percent. It's each his own. I would think being a puddle is you know because then you're more literally dehumanized, humanoid, humanoidized. You ascend past humanity. That's into a liquid state. Well, I mean that's a very positive spin that clearly a self-hating Odo doesn't have. Not yet. Yep, yep. Uh, hails us. My favorite kind of pod episodes are those where Andy is very hyped and loves characterization, and Matt is just meh. This is a very strange take that I thought needed to be called out. It's very interesting. That's his favorite. What are you reading? What's going on over there? Lieutenant Commander Mole. This episode was one of actor Rene Arbourgeois' favorites, as he felt it was extremely important. That's what I'm reading. Gotcha. Lieutenant Commander Molay, Historical Archives Division, says... He thinks I, I'm not doing my homework, but I'm over here doing my homework, guys. I mean, if I had just said that, you would have said, well, you should have done that before the show and listened to the hails while uh, while they're being read. But uh, I'm not you, so I won't say that. You're the one who told me to look for, for robot pets. Oh, okay. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Molay. He's not. Archive. I was the one who suggested they, maybe there were other ones. <laughs> gaslighting. That's how you gaslight. We established in the Patreon <laughs> that Matt owned up to it immediately, almost proudly, that he will state things with authority, that yeah. he has no idea whether they're right or wrong, and I will just go, I guess, all right. And that's how he seems right. You know, 70% of the time. 100% of the time, that's what I'm doing. And I will cave even if I feel like I'm probably right, which is why I haven't gone farther in in, in, in the entertainment industry. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Molay says, I had a different amateur psychology read than Matt on the scene where Luxana is, quote, softening the events and people who jeopardized her in the past. It's not for the benefit of the person listening to her and not an attempt to find the good side of others. It's more of a personal coping mechanism adopted Mm. by someone who has experienced deep personal psychological trauma. The equivalent of wrapping her arms around yourself and rocking back and forth, repeating, wasn't so bad, wasn't so bad. She gives a little half-laughing dismissal of past danger as a way to not have to deal with it. Or not. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. 
Um, I think that's interesting. Is it I, I like it. I like the, the, the spin. I like that we're all reading into the dialogue differently. It's also a good sign of characterization that the character works in that episode so well, and yet there's still room for interpretation. Like, what is going on inside of her? Um, like, what is it that motivates her? Uh, I had a, I already read that. Um, Dick Warlock, our friend, says, as a man born and raised in the South, get a load of this, Matt, Andy's mm. Southern accent was not shit. In fact, it was pretty damn good. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about this, Dick. Uh, in fact, it was pretty damn good. Which reminds me of Matt's <laughs> denigrating Clifton James's accent on his James Bonding podcast. I'm, under, I'm over. I'm, <laughs> I'm undermining his compliment to me. But anyway, uh, which reminds me of Matt denigrating Clifton James's accent on his James Bonding podcast. Clifton James played a Southern sheriff who shit up and live and let die, and the man with the golden gun. I think he called he called James's accent ridiculous, and he's right. It's ridiculous, but it exists. We spend enough time down here. You <laughs> cannot... That's how, that's that's James. This plays the same thing in Superman too. You want to learn it's to be. A, it's the you same. Learn to be a, you want to learn to be a peacekeeper. You gotta you gotta learn to kick ass, Dwayne. You want to be a peacekeeper. You gotta learn how to kick ass. Um, J W Pepper. Meow. When you spend My enough time God, down here, he died in 2017. No shit. At age 96. Good for you, Clifton James. I'm sorry he didn't work more in recent years. He had to still be able to do it. I mean, his last film appearance was in Raising Flag, with two Gs, in 2006. Huh. I guess he was in his 90s at that point. No, he wouldn't have been in his 90s. He would have been in his still 70s, right? I'm terrible at math. Um, what am I good at? Who knows? <laughs> Um, when you uh, anyway, when you spend enough time down here, you encounter all sorts of accent varieties, and a lot of them seem farcical, but they're real. My father had a friend who talked exactly like Clifton James in those Bond movies. Jesus Christ! He was even more racist than Clifton James's character. Anyway, the worst Southern accent in a James Bond movie is when Roger Moore tries to do one. But getting back to Andy, his take on Southern accent is similar to the ones I hear every day working with lawyers in the region. So good job, Secunda. Thank you so much, Dick. Um. <laughs> I, the, the sad thing is, because there could be so many different types of Southern accents, I don't even know which version I had that was close. You were doing Colin Trenier's trip. No, oh, yeah. Well, I can Pretty certainly. Much. I can. You know. Well, that's that's a uh, that's a. Uh, he ca- it's Roscoe Florida. Peak, it's supposed Coltrane. to be Florida. Yeah. Uh, Ian James says, "Hey guys, thanks for reading my message." And the blast of Tom Jones. Andy, yeah, Richard Burton is Welsh. Actually from the same town as I am, called Port Talbot. I have no idea. I can't do Welsh accent. You lived in the current street I live in. Also from the same town as Anthony Hopkins, Michael Sheen, and Peg Entwistle. Do you know who that is? Peg Entwistle is very familiar. A.K.A. the girl who threw herself off the Hollywood sign. There it is. The jelly bean then adds, uh, thank you. I was silently yelling Anthony Hopkins during the discussion on Welsh people. Although also Matthew Reese, another great actor. We got there, right? We got to Anthony Hopkins. I think so. Yeah. 
Uh, Corey says the deleted scene where Luxana scotch guards her dress really threw off the pacing of the episode and was cut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kieran O'Sullivan says, did anyone else think the solution was going to be uh, to let the AI become DS9's new computer system? That's what I thought it was going to be. Uh, that would have oh, that's interesting. solved O'Brien's problem about the stubborn Cardassian computer that will take years to reprogram. That's it's a really good. I wonder if that was the the intention or in an early draft because it does seem to be setting that up. Or is it just? I mean, I think really it was. Let's. It was to give the audience and O'Brien a reason to look into this computer situation. I guess so. Like, set it up is not really working in the first act, and then it suddenly starts working. Well, well, what's going on? Then you got to look into it. I see. I don't think it was really a... I feel like it was chicken and egg kind of thing, you know? Um, what came first, the the dramatic problem or the, or the problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the dramatic turn or the problem? Uh, the setup or the payoff? Uh uh, it all wrapped up too quickly. Felt like Odo's stuff was missing one more beat. I wish that there was a final scene where the crew was trying to open the turbo lift doors and Odo is still liquid and panicking. Luxana has to make them delay. Maybe she would shout through the closed doors that she was not dressed and imply that she and Odo had hooked up as a way to delay them long enough for Odo to form us into a solid form. And they're just about to open the doors. And don't forget about Odo. She's like, Odo, I'm almost ready. Okay, I'm almost ready to go. You can open up now. Odo quietly thanks her for protecting his dignity. Then when they leave the lift, Cisco gives Odo this look like, ooh, you dog. And Odo's like, huh, what happened? (laughs) Deleted scene. Oh, is he not aware? This is an interesting question that I don't know the answer to. Uh, Well, that was a thing I was curious about because they tend to present it thus far and even in what we've seen thus far in the new show uh as as um that they're vulnerable when they're in liquid state but it doesn't really make sense unless the idea i was asking that they tired out they're so tired out from holding the form that they're completely you know they can't hold their form because they're completely exhausted is that the idea Hmm. Maybe. If you're a changeling, write in. Let us know. <laughs> uh, Heath Honert says, uh, uh-oh. Uh, I remember we... I feel like... I definitely was thinking this, so I don't know if we commented on this. They're in the security office. Odo's working as Luxana in fresh clothes and wig, watches from the doorway. And then Luxana says, such concentration, such intensity, such a passion for your work. Tracking intergalactic malefactors. Mm, she said intergalactic, and I missed it. I think I, I heard it. I that thought I commented. Uh, <laughs> the last intergalactic thing I commented on was uh, Captain Shaw and Picard. All right. Um, Neil. Stud? Neil, self-sealing stud bolts. <laughs> Andy and Matt, as the first season of DS9 begins to wrap up, how would you rank the first seasons of all the treks? I can only speak to some of this, obviously. You can speak to all of it except Lower Decks. Oh, I suppose that's true. And uh, 
what's the word? Prodigy. And I don't oh, know that I've seen... And the animated series. Yeah. I've only seen a couple of those, so I can't really... Uh, but Although, if we're going just live action, so Prodigy's out, Lower Decks is out, I mean, and... I rank Strange New World. I think Strange Maybe New World is... Maybe at the top. I think Strange New World is number one. I think the original series is number two. I think number three is probably Voyager. Number four... Huh. Is... This is going to be interesting. As you get to the bottom, it becomes a very tight race between <laughs> between TNG's first season, uh-huh. Picard's first season, uh-huh. Discovery's first season. Actually, you know what? I'll put Discovery's first season in right there. Where? And now, and right before. I might put after, it up. After I might put, Voyager. I might put the Discovery season above Voyager. That's That's fair. Yeah. And then I would probably, boy, boy, oh boy, TNG season one. Here's what I'll say about it. Here's what I'll say about it. It is, as a whole, it is probably worse. No, it's not. It's not. There's more enjoyable things to find in season one of TNG than there is in season one of Picard. Oh, you're going against Picard. Where are you yeah. putting? So is DS9 below both of them then? Oh, I thought we were going to abstain until you saw the end of DS9. Oh, oh. And I, well, and I never don't. said that. And I never said that out loud. Oh, you don't. You don't have <laughs> it just to occurs abstain. To me, I never said that out loud. <laughs> you don't have to abstain. Okay. Well, then I would go. Uh, let me do it again in my out loud. So here's the order of first seasons of Star Trek shows. Okay. Strange New Worlds is number one. Agreed. Number two is the original series. Agreed. Number three is Voyager for me. Number four is Discovery. I would flip-flop those. Understood. Uh, Five is DS9. Six is TNG, and seven is Picard. Yeah. I think that makes sense. That's sort of where I would put it. It's wild that TNG and Picard are there. I can't speak to DS9 because we haven't finished it, but I will say TNG is obviously, it's obviously so much more weight is on TNG. They did so much more. They established everything that came after. Um, um, So given that, if, if you're grading on a curve, TNG would rate much higher. But even independent of that, you're right. It's like there's so many crazy wild swings that it's thus far kind of probably a more entertaining season than DS9 even though even if I would say DS9 thus far has, you know, more credible dramatic craftsmanship. Yeah. But that seemed reasonable. Um, I didn't think you would get that level of detail, Neil. There you go. Uh, Sully and Cash says, I don't know if Avery Brooks ever performed his Hamlet, but he did play Othello. I think you might have said that last time, Matt. Cool. I saw him in 2005 at the Shakespeare Theater Company in D.C. He was amazing. I believe he has retired from acting. Oh, no. Has he? Which is a shame, but would love to see him return to Shakespeare and other classics. Boy, would I love to see him. This is me. Boy, would I love to see him in Othello. <laughs> Othello is my favorite Shakespeare play, if I have not this said is, on this. This is me. 
This is me. You can tell by my voice. This is my, uh, this is my voice now. It's a different. No, no change. Use my voice now. Oh, there you are. Hi. Hi. Um, that's my character's catchphrase laugh. Ah! I don't know where that came from. Uh, Royale hails us. <laughs> this is definitely the best Star Trek podcast for people who don't watch Star Trek. You're just that good. Um, David Thanks. S., the homework-stealing Vulcan and Dorcas Malorcus says, Luxana episodes I generally enjoy, mainly because of Majel Barrett's contribution to Star Trek. And it's fun watching Picard swarm around her when he's unflappable in every other situation. The character's complex, but comes across as one-dimensional, sort of overbearing mother that lives to make people uncomfortable. I really like her in this episode because while her initial approach to Odo was gratitude mixed with aggressive horniness and then tempered panic in the elevator, she starts to realize there's a lot more hurt and insecurity in the chief of security uh, and insecurity in the chief of security and goes into mother mode or ally mode and uses her powers to see Odo. I might be misremembering things, but I feel like she gets more character development like this over the DS9 series. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it's really interesting because, I mean, everything we said in the last episode seems to still hold up uh, in my mind in terms of how empty the the other side of the story was. Mm-hmm. But this was one of the best character stories I've ever seen in a Star Trek show. Just, it's, and taking two characters. Every single point I gave it, every Andy I gave it was because of the character development because the rest of it was bananas garbage. It's interesting judging TV shows or movies, though, by the high points and like, oh, man, that gave me that moment to appreciate um, and how we would judge it, judge things differently. Because it's like, if you'd made that a, a half hour short story, like be one of the greatest episodes of Trek ever. <laughs> um, Robert McFadden says, so here's a question. Can Odo shapeshift a functioning com badge? Or does he lose his every time he morphs into something and hope he can find it when he's done being a good glass? You know, it's funny is I never have thought about that. Yeah. And it feels like a thing I would think about. Eric Johnson sort of tacks onto it. I've thought about this numerous times. He can't make complex mechanical devices like a phaser. So my assumption has always been that when he transforms the com badge is just floating around in his goo. Yeah, but then when he's a glass... Where's the com badge? Where's the com badge? Have we, have we established the volume issue? He no. Can, can he just condense himself to be as tiny as glass? But even if he could condense himself, how could he condense the... How could he have control? Right. You would see the, the physics of the com badge. You would see the com badge like in, in a glass of ice in the drink or something. Yeah, or like the base of the glass always has a com badge in it. Yeah. That's how you know. That's how you know that it's Odo. Do you think, I, I'm certain no writer thought of that before the show started. Do you think... Yeah, I don't think so either, yeah. How many episodes in do you think somebody was like, wait a minute, what, what are we doing with the badge? <laughs> Honestly, knowing Star Trek writers of that time period, <gasps> they never cared. I don't think they cared about that. Ooh, I can ask my friend. 
I have yes, your friend that you with. made that one time, and now get to ask Star Trek questions of. This is going to be see if he responds to us before when the things. Was the last, when was the last time you made contact with him? It's been a while. I'm That's not making the, use of maybe, my show business contacts. Maybe don't. <laughs> well, you think he'll be offended? Oh, I guess you know if you want to start open a di- open a dialogue, this would be a, a fine place to start. I guess. Yeah, and then I'll go. I'll get some lunch with him. Hey. We should get together soon, but while I have you, see, every, see, Matt always presents himself as the one who's sort of—I uh, don't know—I don't, I don't, I guess you would say socially hobbled. I'm the one that's socially hobbled. You're just the one that's not interested in socializing. But then he got situations like this, where it's a, a fucking successful geek who worked on the show that I'm doing a thing on, and I, I haven't gotten around to meeting I wouldn't up. even. I wouldn't even have their phone number. Yeah, I, I wouldn't fucking. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't care. Because you wouldn't want the responsibility. Move on with your life. <laughs> I'll move on with mine. Matt, you got to socialize more. I, 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 far be it for me to be the one that, that says that to any other human being. But uh, I can't. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I've been trying to get Matt to do live shows. I think he needs to be out there interacting with people. What? <laughs> what the hell is? <laughs> Oh, uh, take a oh, hang on a second. I'll take a picture of this. This is just this is our this should be our room for doing the show in when we do the live <laughs> the YouTube show. Oh, crap. I just found immersive environments, guys, inside of uh inside of what do you call this? Can we take a picture Zoom? Of this? Uh yeah, this is Zoom. Um sorry, I shouldn't be wasting time on this while while we're recording a I was going to say okay. live, but it's not really live. That's okay. Um, let's, let's just take a seat here at this table. It's a, he put he put us in in uh, two picture frames. <clears throat> there we go. Uh, I have to do the other one. The other one's funnier. <laughs> oh, fine. Let's go back. Now, now he put us at a conference there. room table. It'd be great if you could put us in the. Uh, uh, it'd be great if you I'm put sure us, I could. I'm sure you can design an immersive environment and throw it in there. In the in the at the Voyager um conference room table, which I really appreciated. Um okay. The uh, best uh, Star Trek podcast in the world is off track. Let's get back on track. Cam says, uh my head canon is regards to the wharf in in Trek Six, right? Um, uh, Colonel Wharf, yeah, Colonel Wharf. Uh, my headcanon, every member of Worf's family looks like Worf. They should have had Doran play the adult Alexander. Also, isn't it kind of interesting that in a show trial, the Klingons nevertheless gave Kirk and McCoy a pretty good lawyer. He makes a lot of good points in their defense and seems to actually want to help them. I've always loved that detail in that scene. Cam, that's a great point. And in the Enterprise episode where Archer's on trial on a Klingon trial, they also give him a great lawyer. Do you think that has something to do with having honor? I guess so. Although it's I- ironic, because lawyers are generally thought to not have honor. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's how honorable the that's Klingons are. That's pretty wacky. Are. Them Klingons is wacky. Brian Hellman, this is a baseball thing that I didn't care about, but everybody kept talking about it, so I thought I'd throw it out to you. Brian okay. Hellman says... Do we see if they got rid of the ba- this baseball pitch clock abomination by the 24th century or is sent oh, cut off? Is. Or maybe that's Look, what led to its demise. 
I think that uh, baseball, if if baseball goes back to not having a pitch clock, yeah, that's why it will fail. Pitch clock's great, shaving thirty minutes off of games. That's what other people expressed. That's what other people expressed. Is it really the pitches? The thing is is a thing that's really between the, the time between pitches. Yeah, major contributor. Yeah, wow. it really illustrates how self indulgent the pitchers are, huh? They showed a they showed a side by side of a pitcher pitching an entire inning. Yeah. Uh, this year in spring training, while another pitcher uh, last year uh, didn't throw a single pitch in the entire time that it took this other pitcher to pitch one inning. Wow. <laughs> just kept just checking the runner at first, you know, looking over, kept looking over, stepped off the mound. You walk around a little bit. It's like it was crazy. Is that like part of a chess match? Then the batter steps out, yeah. calls time. Yeah, it was. It's like that's part of the game we don't need. Yeah. Wabash Kozak says, "I feel like Luxana only acts like she does on Enterprise on the Enterprise because she enjoys making people uncomfortable. She isn't really romantically interested in Picard. She just likes to watch him squirm. She cranks the obnoxiousness up to eleven to make Deanna embarrassed uh, of her." Whenever they're together, that's that's kind of a worse person. Then, I think that's a worse person. If you're doing it deliberately to embarrass your child, yeah, and it's not just like how you feel and behave, then in your in that in that scenario, worse person. Yeah, I would agree with that. Maybe it speaks to a fear of true emotional intimacy at this stage in her life. Maybe, in part from that TNG episode where she fell for the man who was actually culturally who was culturally obligated to euthanize himself for being too old maybe from when Deanna's father died she finds not only amusement pushing people away with her personality but also security in that it keeps her from getting too attached to anyone when they're alone in this episode she and Odo find that they are more alike than either of them expected which is what allowed both of them to begin lowering their shields uh, with each other at least I honestly always just dismiss this episode as being just an unjustified Luxana cameo in the new series like they did uh, with Q earlier. As mm. such, I would always pass after rewatching it. This episode of the podcast has made me really re-examine both it and Luxana's character, and I regard each of them far more charitably than I used to. The stuff that didn't involve Odo and Troy was still pretty bland, though. That's certainly no. Yeah, that's, uh, I agree with all of that. Um... It'll be very interesting for me to see where they go with Luxana after this. I even though you say things, a lot of you have said it's going to be. There's a lot of other good stuff. Hang on a second, Andy. I got to check the gate. No problem. You can vamp. I feel like uh, I. I don't. I don't know. It's like on a sitcom. When they're firing on all cylinders and they bring back a recurring character that hit the first time, uh, like, say, Janice on Friends, then it's pretty good most of the time because they know the purpose of the character. But sometimes I would say that the the natural instinct is to kind of just like, hey, we're just going to do the same thing. It's, you know this goofy character. And I almost feel like their impulse might be to skip over the character growth in this episode for Luxana and the deepening of the relationship with Odo and just reset to zero. So that's what I'm expecting. And 
hoping that it doesn't happen. Or if it happens, then it's like immediately she's playing a different game um, in the next one we see her in. Um, but you guys were right. For the ones who were waiting for me to turn around on her uh, when I was uh, really critiquing her in the TNG run, uh, you were right. They they really They really made the character work. I don't know if it was working that well before, though, guys. I mean, seriously. Um, how's everybody doing? It's raining here in L.A. right now. He wants a vamping. Here we go. <laughs> uh, probably most of you don't. Um, it's been raining a lot. Uh, my spirit has been killed in my time out here, my East Coast spirit. And usually I'm very happy to have weather and now I'm at the point where I'm like I don't need any more of this weather oh I love it you always love it even though I'm soaking wet <laughs> yeah you are wet. just gone outside what are we doing the uh I saw feet underneath the gate mm. and then I was like heard Bo barking and I was like no one's home are they <laughs> so I went out to check it was an Amazon delivery for you or for Dory I don't know. I didn't look at the boxes. I just brought them in. Charlie Short is the last of the what priority What if they're for messages. us? What if it's the wrong house? <laughs> I'm going to go check them. Charlie Short says, I've rewatched DS9 tw- twice in the last few years, and this is one of those early moments where I actually forget it's so early in the run. DS9 has some bad apps for sure, but most of the early ones are just boring, so I always take out the scenes with Odo and Luxon in my head as part of a better later episode because their performance is so strong. As Mm. with many other things in DS9, they do such a good job with this interaction that it adjusts my emotion, uh, my enjoyment of Majel Barrett's TNG appearances when I rewatch. Finally, this this is also the scene I've been waiting for Andy to watch and get his take on because of the other things he said. There's a lot of great stuff in this series I look forward to, but this scene always reminds me how great DS9 will truly get. And that's it for the Priority One messages. Let's exit and head to the corridor. Corridor. Captain, we are being hailed. We always irritate people when we come out of this corridor. We're always sort of in the way. There's people trying to get by us. We have all our podcast equipment. Uh, that's on them. Don't come down to deck eight when you know we're doing this. <laughs> um, our first hail is from Tim Collins uh, from <laughs> Northern Ireland. say Tim Conway. I was like, wow, all right. From beyond <laughs> the grave. He's doing his dwarf character. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's funny because it's no visual, but uh, I assure you, though, when he typed this, he was kneeling. <laughs> um, could you play DS9 voice hail? Yes, I can. I appreciate that, Matt. Hello, Matt and Andy. This is Tim from Northern Ireland here. I just wanted to send a quick voice hail following Matt's discussion of his favorite wrestling podcast. This is... Uh, this isn't the prime character. This is the answer. And no, I'm a bit slow, and someone's already got in touch to clarify the difference between Wales and Northern Ireland. <laughs> However, uh, Northern Ireland obviously doesn't get mentioned uh, very often in media, so I thought I'd use the excuse to say first hello from your own Northern Irish contingent. It's definitely nice to hear that Matt's a fan of our regional accent. 
So I'm, just I'm waving at knowledge, it. Which is to say that uh, the podcaster Matt likes, it sounds to me like he specifically has a Belfast accent, not just a Northern Irish one. Oh. So my accent is quite soft, um, not least because I've lived in England for a little while. Uh, where people from Belfast, they kind of they talk more like they're from up here. It's kind of a bit of an ambiguous accent. He's got where at any time you never Rory know Mato if they're Rory about sound. to tell you a joke, or maybe they could equally be about to punch you in the face. <laughs> Which, come to think of it, I mean that kind of might explain some of the kind of local difficulties we have here. Um, I have, uh, so my other excuse for getting in touch, just very briefly, I thought, is to flag up kind of the representation of Ireland in Star Trek. Uh, obviously, we just had an episode of DS9. I gotta pause this for a second. It is listening to him. It is alarming how much he sounds like Rory McIlroy, which makes sense because Rory McIlroy's from Northern Ireland. I mean, what's fascinating to me is this is a wrestling podcast where it's the most grating, aggressive characterizations in entertainment, and his his accent is the most lyrical, genteel, pleasant to listen to. Like it's so funny that's to think why, of, that's why it puts that, me to sleep. of that accent talking about wrestling is amazing. That was pretty heavy in our stereotypes. Um, this is the, in addition, obviously, to the infamous TNG one, and there's a Voyager episode coming up that I don't want to spoil, but that is particularly quite cringy. Hmm. Um, I think it's something that's worth keeping an eye on as you work through DS9, um, not least for how much it must have annoyed Colm Meany. So Colm, he's kind of quite famously an Irish nationalist. Uh, Indeed, I think Alexander Siddig, on the convention circuit, he tells a story of how when they would uh, hang out after work, Colm would uh, deliberately bring him to slightly rough Irish bars (laughs) and send uh, Alexander to order the drinks. And um, uh, Siddig said that uh, on one occasion, he thought the barman looked at him funny and he assumed it was because the barman was racist, uh, only for a column to tell him it was actually because he was English, which <laughs> I think is a level of deliberate trolling of your co-workers that we can all aspire to. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go on too much. Um, uh, I know you're probably in a rush to get through all the hails. I just want to say, love the podcast. Like for uh, several other listeners, I know it's helped me get through some pretty rough times, especially over the last couple of years. And also, Andy, um, absolutely love your Irish accent. Uh, I think you're you're zeroing in on Cork, but um, don't Ooh. worry, you're, you're you're doing better than most Americans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love you guys. Bye. He's, he's nailed you down to Cork. <laughs> Ooh, uh, you know what, Tim? That was what I was aiming for. That was the that was the uh, geographical specificity I was aiming for. <laughs> That's the kind of charm Andy Secunda brings to accents. <laughs> They're so. They're so vague, they're actually specific. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just throwing a hundred darts at a dartboard. That's basically what my accents are. Uh, so that'd be more of a more of a dub than down by Cork. More than a Nordy, which is what, what we were just listening to. Cork. Um, yeah. Did you say Quark? You <laughs> <laughs> might have said Quark. Maybe that was what you meant. It's closer to Quark than it is to... Uh, yeah, you do. Any yeah, Irish you a, accent? You got a little Armin Shimmerman in you. <laughs> well, that's just anti-Semitic. Um, <laughs> um, okay, going on to another. Thank you for writing in. Tim, thank you for your kind words. And uh, as I've said before, uh, the podcast helped me get through hard times as much as it helped um, any of our listeners. So uh, glad to be of service. 
Um, my nipples. Oh, sorry. This is uh, from Jeff Edders. Jeff Edders. My nipples. Uh, sampled Matt singing my nipples to the theme song from the Cleveland show. I know Seth MacFarlane is only tangentially connected to track by his appearance as an Enterprise crewman and by working with all those writers and actors on the Orville. But the real reason I chose the song is because when I walk my dog, I always sing my nipples to the melody like an insane person. So maybe this play is the, the effort that went into this is s- astonishing and... So I've never the, heard the Cleveland Show's theme song. I don't know that I have either. Play the 30-second version, I would guess. My nipples! 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 The best Star Trek podcast in the world. My nipples, yeah, my nipples. <laughs> that's, 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 just, that's a hoot. Thank you for that craftsmanship, uh, Jeff. Yes, um, indeed. If anybody wants a clean version of that, let me know and I'll, I'll put it up on the Patreon. Um, then we have a prime correct. We have a couple of prime correctives. Oh no, more than one. That they're all. I think really they're all. Been off. They're all my mistakes, generally. Actually, no. One is a general one. Time for a retrospective. Cause truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective. Who's Matt and he got it wrong? This one's from Jeff Raimondo. Uh, thank you for the pronunciation, Jeff. Uh, first, I want to say I think Andy is great. An enjoyable chap who isn't afraid to ask questions and holds no ill will in his heart. I have some ill will, Jeff, but uh, generally speaking, I'm well-meaning. I just want to point out a small lingual thing of Andy's that bumps me when I hear it. And I think Andy's the type of guy who would want uh, this highlighted. The use of the words powwow by settler colonial peoples to refer to anything other than indigenous celebration is considered to be cultural appropriation of Native American people and can be seen as offensive. And he, uh, he... Points to Marion Webster as his as his evidence. Uh, sincerely, Jeff Lieutenant Jeffrey Raimondo, Admirals Club member, disgraced former President Circle member. <laughs> 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 Sorry, we had to drum you out, Jeff. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yes, I absolutely no allowed. I, <laughs> I welcome uh, anyone telling me where I'm off um, and where I need to fix or grow. Yeah, you um, just. It's it's just the kind of thing, Andy, where you don't want people jewing you down. Oh Jesus Christ, Matt! What no, are you what, doing? What's the matter, Matt? Not only is it offensive, I'm pretty sure you're using that completely wrong. No, uh, no, stop being such an Indian giver. Uh, you're trying to no. jip me. Oh, uh, uh, Matt, I'm looking at our best uh, problems. What are other ones? What are other ones? Uh, Quick, what are other ones? Uh, I'm not joining you on the <laughs> ship. I got my own problems. Uh, um, the, the, the you know best. what? Honestly, though, I will say this: I love, I love uh, uh, whatever this. I love, no, I love knowing. Okay. No, I love knowing. I thought what, you were going to single out a people that you. Love. No, I love. This knowing is not going to make up for in, anything. I know, I, even though I didn't say it, because I never would do that unless I was being very facetious, <laughs> as I just was. Uh-huh. I like to. I like knowing those things. Because now too. I'll just go. All right. 
Uh, do you like knowing this? Lieutenant Cam uh, tells no, us. No, this is worse. Don't like it because it concerns me. Next. This one. <laughs> no, this one's still about me. Oh, Andy, the word emu is pronounced emu, not emu. Emo. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I said emu. Uh, it's a foreign import. Aboriginal people have lots of names for them. The people of Sydney's region call them Murrawong. And the difference between them and an ostrich is an ostrich won't steal your sandwich. Do yourself a favor and look up the Emu War. Australia, only country to lose a war against birds. <laughs> <laughs> Curious to look that up now. Um, and then the last thing is... Oh, look at that bird! Oh, he did, did an accent. <laughs> That wasn't that wasn't anything. <laughs> someone make someone Bloody can- Nora. You see the size of that bird? <laughs> That's probably what they did. They all said bloody Nora. <laughs> someone please please send send in that clip with a Matt's accent corner. <laughs> um Roderick Hamilton says, from what I remember, it's not the same one. Uh, regarding the baseball. Uh, from what I remember, it's not the same one. Cisco gets given a signed one by Jake as a birthday present, I think. Uh, okay, all right. And since I'm getting a reputation for bleakness, followed by a light sign off, the reason Colin Meany, this is basically the same concept, hates the leprechaun thing is because the Irish were occupied by the British and suffered a genocidal famine as well as centuries of oppression. In the USA, they were initially treated as such low-class Europeans. There was debate as to whether to even include them in the category of whites and the leprechaun shtick is all part of the mockery of their people from those powerful parties. Toodaloo. As uh, someone from Boston, such a an Irish place, it's always fascinating to me to hear these tales of the outnumbered Irish. Whereas when I was a kid, I was like, I don't, I'm not Irish, so I don't feel like I belong. <laughs> However, how did the transition to using leprechauns as the mascots in so many Irish themed teams come about. Well, I mean, it's just the Celtics really, right? Yeah. As far as I remember or think of. Well, no, the fighting Irish, I guess, That's yeah, Notre what I was Dame. Say, yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I think as long as they're doing it, that's just fine. Are they all Irish? Notre Dame, I mean, I assume it was certainly Catholic school, probably Roman Catholic, Irish church. What if we find out it was primarily English? Then you know what? What Fuck if it? Alexander Siddick is actually the, the dean of Notre Dame? <laughs> that would be interesting. I mean, you know, good for him. Good for him. It play, I bet it pays well. Uh, I just grabbed one face group comment. If you want to open up the face group, uh, check out our Facebook group. Delightful people in there. Um, I feel like I may have single-handedly Photoshop Matt with Data's cat And who put Andy's face on that Just take a look It's on Facebook It's in our face group We got so many You know, we got the Patreon We got the Discord now uh, So many places to, to for your TNC needs I feel like I may have uh, harmed the uh, the very committed fan base of the face group and if i have then uh, i apologize but uh, i've always appreciated all of you mark wilson says uh, in regards to the last episode could have been worse they could have downloaded the probe data 
and it could have turned the space station, you know, maybe it's in regard to this one, into a non-specific Mesoamerican civilization that rendered one of the station's officers completely insufferable. Now, I don't know. If that's that's that is in reference to? This one, right? Do you know? No, masks. Oh, masks. No, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Masaka! Masaka is rising! Uh, that's it for the face group. Do you want to play its outgoing theme? <laughs> this is the end of the face group section for Star Trek, the next conversation. And for what is it bring it to your attention? So, what do the rest of the program vision? If you'd like to send us a hail, send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. You can hail us at 816-TREK-TNC. You can tweet us at Star Trek TNC or Instagram us there. Uh, you can send a tweet or an Instagram to um, at Matt Myra. Uh, you can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda or tweet me at Secunda. That's it for the hails. Everything he said is true. Now, oh, we're going to do the episode proper. Here we go. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. In fairness to you, Andy, <laughs> probably, probably three minutes of that was me in my driveway. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, so... It's okay. We'll bring it down to a brisk 105. <laughs> uh, look, everyone, I wanted to make this a separate podcast. <laughs> where now we, it would be over, this? and we would be putting out the actual show. <laughs> really? For Deep Space this? Nine, it would be called The Habitat Ring. Is that the middle part? I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it? I don't we know. just have that discussion? We probably did. Because we talked about the because uh, the outer ring uh-huh. is all that all the do- docking hallway right. shit. Yeah, and the inner ring with the promenade is that inner circle. Gotcha. So that, and that's the habitat ring, right? I think so. Okay. Which would be a more fun set to visit? I think probably DS Nine. What do you mean? Of all the Deep Space Nine sets? No, of all the Star Trek sets. Oh, any bridge. Any bridge of anything. Would you pick the D? Uh, sure. Like, if I have my choice of they're all standing and in, in use currently, by yeah. then yes, it would be the Enterprise D. Wow. You? Uh, uh, and it wouldn't be the D. It might be the original Enterprise. Um, might be, uh... Might be DS Nine. It's kind of it's kind of expansive. You really feel like you're immersed there. Oh, like the Promenade set or Ops. Well, either one has really high ceilings and deep sets. Mm. That's true. Anything else? I mean, Voyager, just for, because my investment in Voyager. But. Uh, Dramatis Personae. This aired uh, the 30th of May, 1993. What's happening, Andy? I mean, I can't even keep track. Have we done All That She Wants by Ace of Base yet? Or Regret by New Order? Don't think it matters, but we'll we'll hit one of those up. 
The number one song in the U.S. was That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. We've definitely done that. Number one song in the U.K. This one. An alternative song, Regret by New Order. Number one movie, Cliffhanger. I feel like Cliffhanger's been number one forever. I saw it in the theater. I did too. But I feel like that's just because we've now we're in the zone where we've done a lot of Star Trek shows where it was around this time. Number one TV show that week, the Daytime Movie. Sorry, Daytime Emmy Awards. The Daytime Movie Awards. (laughs) (laughs) Do you go to see movies in the afternoon? (laughs) Here's a lot of sad dads and single men. (laughs) Awarding you movies the best of the years. (laughs) Are you a teenager looking to get some air conditioning? Um, Events. Connie Chung becomes the first ever female network news anchor on CBS. Is that true? I didn't even know that. Uh, Montreal Canadiens win the NHL Stanley Cup Championship, the last Canadian team to do so. That also is fascinating. Time Magazine cover, Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Classic Kevorkian times. Yep. You know, I love a a good Kevorkian story here and there, (laughs) you know? Dr. Death just having a good time. Anyway. I was going to say, Star Trek must have gone to that well a lot. I know Voyager had that one with the people who were choosing to die, and they actually were just shooting them to another planet. Or some yeah, underground Half a Life, thing. for instance. Yeah. Half a Life. Remember Half a Life? Although that's not really... That's ritualistic. So oh, so. that's right. That's the, the one we just referenced with Luxana. Um, oh, before the, we move yeah. on... Um, well, first we'll do. Here's an elsewhere in Trek we have. Mm-hmm. We sure do. That's the segment coming up. Definitely right now. Here it is. Definitely <laughs> that segment. Best Star Trek. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so, um. I had um I had uh <laughs> um um what's the uh frosted uh, mini wheats and uh, uh I get the strawberry one I found it Okay that was your vamp I, that was good I, I ate, think you deliberately did it bad right that was the, No I didn't it. deliberately do it bad really the, the thing <laughs> that I was steer, steering away from was that I was like I basically am about to go into that I had one bowl with bananas in it and then I had like literally seven bowls after that of different kinds of cereals I'm just completely off the rails of different kinds of cereals so not just mini wheat no I went to um, Cocoa Pebbles and then I went to there's a great one that's uh, Wendy's has a a frosty cereal that has little marshmallows and stuff and I was like that seems crazy I know it tastes like the frosty and the frosties are wonderful so I love that you bought it (laughs) Um, I bought it again and again by the way after I got out of the day movie I went over and bought frosty cereal it is is part all part of the patchwork elsewhere in track of my sad life Engage. 
There was no new TNG episode this week. However, according or that week, according to the Okuda's chronology, things were still busy aboard the Enterprise. Ensign Rowe left the ship to attend Starfleet's advanced tactical training program, wouldn't be back for a year. Meanwhile, Picard, Troy, LaForge, and Data headed to a conference about the psychological effects of long-term deep space assignments, and Riker agreed to Catsit spot. <laughs> Um, I don't know where to give you that. I should have given this heads up before the show, Matt, so we didn't have any more gaps. But uh, we uh, we actually got some Frank Sinatra um, um, info <laughs> sent to us. It's very Frank strange. Frank Sinatra, come on. Da, 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 da. That I don't need time, time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, come on. All right, Andy, Frank Sinatra, what was happening with the chairman of the board? Uh, the, who's, got from, a, who's got a brand new watch out? Uh, I saw a commercial for it this weekend. Oh, we gotta get that, Matt. Words, um, please be true. So, uh, Mark T. Warren had basically said and that the night Frank Sinatra died, uh, which was May 14th, 1998, America was busy watching Seinfeld. Uh, it was the Seinfeld finale. It was made, mm. and uh, Old Blue Eyes was going to do uh, the Great Vegas Showroom in the Sky, but nobody could win the ratings battle. Sinatra's finale versus the Seinfeld finale. Frankie, um, and then Kyle Barker. Yeah, Kyle Barker sent in a jingle, um, and he titled this "Frankie Baby." Hi, Andy. This jingle. This is Lieutenant Commander Kyle Barker, who does the wonderful. Uh, TNC comics with his figures. Have you you've seen some of these, haven't you, Matt? Yeah, They're just wonderful. Uh, hi, Andy. This jingle has become a thing. Just roll with it. Live long and prosper from Kyle. And uh, the beginning of this is "Forget Domani" by Frank Sinatra. I just miss Frank on the show. Well, you got it. So this is Frodo. Forget about and more. Except. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> Just the conduit. Is that it? That's it. That's the things we have to do, right? Yeah. All right. Now we can talk about the the episode that's next. Dramatis personae. This is the crew becomes infected by a telepathic imprint of a culture that destroyed itself. This is from uh, Joe Manoski, directed by Cliff Bowl. <laughs> Manipples. Come in. Commander, I just received word that a Valerian transport has requested permission to dock here at the station. Let me guess. You're here to recommend that we deny that request. The Valerians ran weapons-grade Dolomite to the Cardassian forces during the occupation of Bajor. I'm aware of Dolomite. I believe they're continuing to ship weapons to the Cardassians, weapons that could eventually be used to attack Bajor. I share your concern, Major, but unless we have proof to back up the... It's good that they set up this conflict before the, the imprint takes place why otherwise they'd have nothing to do 
I guess that's fair. I did. I did go back at the end to be like, at what point is she taken over? Like, when does she start to act suspiciously? But I guess it's when the Klingon beams in. Yeah, right? when the Klingon beams over, that's that's your that's the everyone starts acting weird. By the way, Kira hit a real hard J in the Bajor there. Okay. Which most most of the time they hear a Bajor. The proof is on that ship. Let me conduct a search, and if I find any dolomite, we can confiscate it. I'm afraid it's not that simple. Dolomite is used for power generators, reactors, and short-range transports. And for weapons. Only if it's extremely pure. So we're going to do nothing. I didn't say that. We just can't. What if they opened up the cargo bay and it was Rudy Ray Moore? (laughs) 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 Just sitting there. Just (laughs) go. He's got the dolomite. Uh... (laughs) Board their ship and start tearing it apart. Well, what can we do? You bring me evidence that the Valerians are dealing in weapons-grade dolomite, and I promise you that the Federation will use every kind of diplomatic pressure to stop them. You really think that'll work? It it will if the Valerians want to continue. Whoops, sorry. I want to talk to you, dolomite. Man, move over and let me pass. Supposed to have to be pulling these hush puppies out your motherfucking ass. <laughs> Dolomite. Yeah, continuing, sorry. Continue trading with the Federation. All right. We'll try it your way. Good. Then you will see to it that the Valerian ship is cleared for docking. Lots of visual, man. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, you did. But let me assure you, it's, Chief, it I looks said- very clear. I believe you. I know not much and is And I'm actually on. a little disappointed I lost the visual right there because I wanted your opinion on that final uh, thingamajiggy. The ship is cleared for docking. Yes, sir. I love it. She doesn't answer him. He, he gives her a half a second, and then he flips, he flips his head and is like, did you fucking hear me? <laughs> it's good acting. I liked it. Chief, I have a subspace message for you from your wife. They've arrived safely on Bajor. And they won't be in this episode. They, they're allowing you to freely move throughout the plot, sir. Why don't you take an 11 born school kids on a visit to the grain processing center at Lazuma? I'm glad it's not me. Major, here's the information you requested on the captain of the Valerian ship. Valerian Let me know Steve. if you find anything else. Sensors are reading elevated neutrino levels at the wormhole. Something's coming through. On screen. Magnified. <laughs> that famous line. Uh, Klingon ship comes in. Transporter signal. Something's interfering with the rematerialization process. Lock onto it with our transporter signal. Try boosting the annular containment field. I'm already there. I, that, by the way, that's subtly. That's that's good writing for the two of them. That she's he's already on it. Yeah, because he's the fucking transporter chief of the Enterprise D. That I agree with. So but he's I, like, what I, question, I already know how to do this, Dex. <laughs> uh, well, that's why I question why she would kind of even... She's the science officer. It's her lead, technically. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. Okay. 
was gonna question. Why they make this specifically a Klingon? Because he says victory, which is kind of like, they're like, why did he say that? It's like, seems like the kind of thing a Klingon would say before he dies. Um, but I guess they do it more. But Yeah, but it's what? like, what, what, was the, what was the battle? What was happening out there? Is victory the name of a ship? Is the name of a, what is the name of? Let's retrace know, their steps. Doesn't it make it more of a mystery if it's a people that were known to be peaceful and then because i figure oh they're doing it because then later when you have the um the klingons give when you when they're digging into the klingon logs it's like oh well it's part of the klingon makeup that you know you'll kill your superior to get positioning but i feel like it would have made more sense and been more intriguing if it's a peaceful species that's doing that if it were a Vulcan that got beamed aboard, that'd be pretty interesting. Exactly. I agree with you. Ha <laughs> ha, Secunda. We have no reason why it shouldn't be. Moving on. <laughs> they get to a commander log from Cisco after the credits, but it, it's, mm. it's, it's interesting that they don't tend to open these shows with Cisco logs. And one thing that kind of occurred to me is it's because they, I wonder if it's because they have a tendency to open with, they don't want to say we're working on this mission. They want somebody to walk into somebody's office and go, hey, this thing is going on more like a workplace show. And you wouldn't do that if you were just said it, what it was in a law. Workplace shows are hot, you know. Is that it? This is like the LA law of space. 922.3. We have identified the dead Klingon. His name was Han Teal, first officer of the Tokat. Why he died and the cause of the ship's destruction is still unknown. I found tritanium alloy fragments in his chest and upper arms. If that were all, we could have saved him, but those weapon burns were too severe. Is there any way to identify the kind of weapon used? I'm running a micro-tissue analysis right now. I should have the results in a couple of hours. The Klingon said victory just before he died. I wonder what he meant. According to Klingon High Why Command, Klingon the Tokat was in the Gamma Quadrant on a routine biosurvey mission. Victory during a biosurvey? As I recall, the Tokat... I mean... It feels like they're adding the biosurvey thing to justify why a Klingon right, would not right. have said it. But why not just You're make right. it not Klingon? I wonder if it's a costume thing. Why well, don't we got all these Klingon costumes? You're right. I can't imagine that uh, it costs that much to pull a Vulcan costume. <laughs> and try to find the Tokat's mission recorder. I want to know what caused that ship to explode. Aye, sir. I like this characterization lieutenant yes <laughs> you coming is, i think yours is the most yes. interesting i'm sorry <laughs> never mind i think it's i think it's cleverly done because she'd have so many personalities in her is that what it is it seems erratic in that sense when she says never mind what does she say is she saying that to to o'brien still Never mind what it was I was thinking about. What is she saying? Never mind. I, I, I think so. Yeah, that's my interpretation. Um, we'll never be sure. So is so everybody else is pretty much on a. I guess I guess Cisco and Dax are the two that are really off the betrayals game. Everybody else is suspicion and betrayal. Is that because they are except for who? 
except for Dax and Cisco. Cisco is bored and want, doesn't want to be involved. He eventually gets in, involved in the betrayal stuff, but it seems like he's working on the clock and doing a bunch of other shit. What is is the idea that Dax is the character that she's reenacting was sort of a I don't know what a dope I don't know she keeps telling the same stories yeah like, like a distress she was the the comic relief of that fucking group of people in that part of history what is the point well, I love the performance I just don't understand what the show is saying I don't either great I'd like to have an answer for you but I don't yeah next time though I'll get one next time Deep Space Nine this is Valerian vessel Sherval Das we are entering the Bajoran system clear us for docking negative Sherval Das there's going to be a slight delay we are in need of maintenance it's been a long journey oh I'm sure it has but we have here's some fun trivia during filming of the episode Nana Visitor slipped on a wet stairway and hurt her back while Visitor wanted to film her scenes as usual, Rick Berman urged her to go to the hospital. However, when she arrived at the hospital, still in full makeup, the doctors initially ignored, ignored her back in favor of her terribly broken nose. That's funny. That seems uh, like a bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? Come on. <laughs> This seems That's like a, a con- fascinating story co- concocted for a con. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, Rick Berman. You got other stories like that? <laughs> like, he makes himself a hero. He's like, <laughs> sure. no, 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 Nana. You, Nana, you have to go to the hospital. We can't possibly shoot like this. I'll never have any of my actors uncomfortable. <laughs> Contrary to uh, the usual stories about me, this story <laughs> illustrates that I'm a great guy. Blooms, <laughs> <laughs> you'll just have to wait. Stand by, Sir Valdas. I'd like an explanation. I wasn't finished running a background check on their ship. We agreed there would be no delays in the docking procedure. They just visited Felina 3 and Mariah 4. The same two stops they used to make when they were running Dolomite to the Cardassians. The last stop would be the purification plant at Ultima Thule. Now, if I can place them there, then we know they're running weapons-grade material. Your ship has been cleared for docking. Thank you, Commander. Sherval Das out. No delays. You know, it's so early in the show's run yeah. that doing this episode is interesting to me. Because the their personalities totally. aren't defined fully. This is a classic yet. naked now problem. Where it's like, oh, what if they acted like this? And it's like, I don't know, first season. It's early enough for you to tell me that this is how they act. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's early yeah. enough in this show's run to be like, I was like, when I was watching this, I wasn't, I mean, I was like, oh, they're, they're it's some sort of alien, obviously, uh, affecting the way they're acting. But. I'm like, but are they trying to tell us that this is what they're like? Well, this is where you get into a weird a weird storytelling issue because they're starting in an interesting place with the disagreement between um Kira and Cisco 
that's like a disagreement that they they clearly would have anyway that's a political disagreement she's he's trying to keep the peace and run run the the station she has a certain allegiance with Bejor and this history so it's like they would have this conflict anyway then you kind of sort of shift into this other thing that kind of it softens the entry point so is uh, into them being mind controlled so is it mm. like are we meant to be more in the dark because of that i think we are i think that's the intention but if we're meant to be in the dark it confuses us as the viewers as to what we're supposed to be finding interesting right and i think that kind of was a little bit it seems like that's the way they're trying to play it because with <laughs> when we get to, i mean well, i guess we'll get to bashir but bashir especially just like wait is this the one where Bashir's brain is taken over again because he kind of was almost doing a similar performance in this one. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if he just fully shifted back into that voice again. The chances are what you heard won't help, so why should I give you something for it? Because otherwise I heard nothing. That damaged Hollow Suite. Work Crew 7 is probably doing the repairs, am I right? Uh-huh. Well, it looks Good as read. though I might have to put in a priority request for work, Crew 7. The bulkheads in security could use a little shoring up. They said they'd be coming back through the wormhole with something that would make the enemies of the Klingon Empire tremble. Their exact words. Direct quote. You've been most helpful. So Quark here... Don't let it get around. Yes. Is, I mean, Odo here is basically threatening him with a work crew stoppage. So this is just full-on old-school mafia. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very dicey. Do you He's really think that? Such or are an you... upstanding person. Are you being facetious? I can't tell. I'm not being facetious. He's, he's basically saying, well, your labor problems. Are, it's basically, it's a quote from the Godfather. You're about to have some labor problems where, you know, the Godfather can make them, them disappear. This is Damn. the exact same thing. It's the only leverage you could possibly have over Quark. I thought he was going to offer him something. Like, you know, like a re- legitimate negotiation. Well, if you do this, then I will... You know, I'll lend you these people to do the work you need done. Or I'll get you the permit that you've been having trouble getting. No, he's not going to get anything for... His gift is his gift is non-interference. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like it's non-interference. It sounds like he's threatening him with something that will happen if he doesn't cooperate. Yeah, and if he does cooperate, he won't do anything. Non-interference is the gift that he's uh, well, exchanging. It sounds like he won't make something bad happen. It's not. Yeah, which means he won't get involved. What is the problem? If I if I if I say I have a gun in my pocket and if you don't do what I want, I'm going to take it out and shoot you and then you do what I want and I go, "Well, then I'll give you the gift of non-interference. I will not point my gun at you." That's no, not non-interference. This is, this is bargained before the the exchange though. He gave him a thing before. No, no, before this is bargained before the exchange. So if you said to me, "I have a gun in my pocket." Uh-huh. You having a gun in my in your pocket doesn't affect me at all. You right. saying you're going to use the gun to shoot me, yeah, 
that's that's you're gonna interfere with my life right now. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's a threat. It's not non-interference if you don't shoot the person. <laughs> what he's off, but what he's offering <laughs> is him staying out of out of fucking Quark's business. I'm telling you, Odo's sus. I'm telling you, Odo is was right to have this big headache. I kind of thought this was Dr. implying Bashir? something. Dr. Bashir! Dr. Bashir! Implying what? It's implying that Odo and Quark are very tight and they have great concern for each other. I really like that Quark really needed Rand to get Bashir's help. Yeah. Also, wouldn't he just go Quark to Dr. Bashir, get down here? He doesn't have a combat. They don't. They oh, the regulars don't can't fucking contact whoever they need to contact. I don't think. I don't think. Oh no. Yeah, Quark does not have a combat. Here's a here's a follow up question. Can he hit somebody else's combat like Odo's and go Quark to Doctor Bashir? Depends. Are they bio? Uh, are they bioelectrically <laughs> coded to the person who has them? I don't know. <laughs> Welcome back, Constable. How am I? How do you feel? Fine. Good. Because I have no way to know your body chemistry defies analysis. This is sort of... He seems like a bad doctor here. I don't remember anything. But I back to normal. But like I said, you tell me. I don't know what caused it, and I couldn't tell you if it'll happen again. In fact, there's really nothing more I can do here. It's sort of a weird stance. Then thank you for your time, Doctor. What do you mean? Is that mind-controlled Bashir, or is that, like, what Bashir would say? I think that's regular Bashir. It appears to me that Bashir is operating as a doctor. Wait a minute, was Bashir on the, in, in uh, what is it called? Ops? What do we call it here? Yeah, he helped the Klingon. He should be the first infected. Oh, right, right, And he right. is. This is where you find out he's infected when yeah. he starts asking this. Well, Dax is first infected. Or actually, I guess everybody's infected at this point. Tell me, Odo, do you share my concern over this Valerian situation? Concern? I think you know what I mean. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> Doing evil then you can be sure I know. Just don't be surprised if the uneasy alliance on this station starts to show a few cracks. What uneasy alliance? Commander Sisko and Kira. Mark my words, there's going to be trouble. (laughs) Meanwhile, I've got to get back to my business. I guess uh, I feel like Bashir... I mean, I granted it's early in the season, uh, in the in the show. I just feel like Bashir would have had a conversation with Odo, like about, look, I need to know more about you in case anything happens to you. Or in this situation, he would be more invested in, well, I would like to run some tests. I would like to figure out what's going on with you. I would like to, you know, you clearly passed out, and not, he's just sort of like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Seems like nothing's going on. I don't know. Doesn't seem like a very doctory response. He seems like a modern doctor. 
uh, that actually he does seem like doctors that, that, yeah. that you or I would go to, but it doesn't seem yeah. like he's like a you know a top of the line Star Trek doctor. Does it hurt anymore? No. Okay, you're fine. I hate that shit. <laughs> but I mean, like, isn't that doesn't that feel like what that yeah, is? Yeah, but that, that's, that's, I don't want that to be my Starfleet doctor. The Valerians, their ship was at the Ultima Thule station one week ago. That confirms it. They're definitely running dolomite. So. So. Dolomite. I've got an armed team ready to board their vessel. Confiscate Bitch, the are you for real? Where they came from. That's a dolomite. Frankly, I'm half tempted to take them to Bajor and press charges. By whose authority? No one's authority. <sighs> right, guys? You're not going to do anything about this. I'm not. Who's taking Genesis? And neither are you. He's got a laptop. That no, shit. that's his. That's his clock design. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's like, gonna take over his mind and make him build a clock. He's gonna be obsessed with this clock. He's not gonna want to do any work except to work on the clock. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be intricate. He's gonna be really excited about it. His mind will be controlled. Bitch, are you for real? <laughs> Sorry, Dolomite. Now I'm in the I'm, I'm in the Dolomite zone now. Hey, while you're in the Dolomite zone, uh, uh, you vamp for uh, for a second. <laughs> All right, look, welcome to the Dolomite zone. It's just outside the Gamma Quadrant. If you haven't watched Dolomite, it's a real, it's a really like interesting slice of the black exploitation genre of the '70s, and it's funny. And I think it's just like, it's insane in the best kinds of way. Does any of it hold up comedically today? Eh, possibly not. But if you understand the history and understand where it came, then having the context, you can view it and enjoy. You're welcome. Uh, otherwise, that's it. I don't mix cereals often, like Andy's talking about having a bowl of one thing and then having a bowl of another thing. I will actually sometimes do one bowl containing a couple of different cereals. So, for instance, my favorite is Rice Krispies with a little bit. So it's like two-thirds. No, it's probably three. It's three-quarters Rice Krispies to one-quarter Fruity Pebbles. That is the right mix, and it is delicious. I have a bowl of that probably twice a week for breakfast. Highly recommended it. Dory eats, like, spoonfuls and oat crunch, which is like, ugh. Anyway, welcome back, Andy. Hello. Is acting back. against Bajoran interests. Bajoran. Hard J. The station... Is Bajoran property. Bajoran. Commanded property. by a Federation officer. A Federation Commanded officer. Commanded by me. Me. And me. <laughs> challenging that major. Major. <laughs> no, sir. Good. It's a great face off. 
Well, it's also like we don't. Again, I think it's too early in the show's run to be like, I don't know these characters. Are they being serious? What's happening right now? Well, that's kind of that's an in, yeah. It's funny that this is your perspective because I think that is why I was kind of unsettled because I was like, well, I assume this is an alien takeover thing, but it's like right on the line because I kind of would like to see these kinds of conflicts between them. <laughs> like, how much is them? How much of it is them, and how much of it is the virus? Right, and then it's muddied. As I say, by everybody not even, everybody doesn't even have the same game, you know? Like, I would have liked to, for yeah, them to explore that Dax, Dax a ends little up more. On, it's interesting that Dax ends up not on the Federation side. I guess that they're going for kind of a Masaka. Was that what the uh, masks? Mm, masaka. They're going for kind of a Masaka thing where it's like each person plays a different part, but so many of the parts are similar. Like it would have been more interesting. Like I feel like they're kind of going with, we don't even, other than them tracking it to them reenacting some parts, we don't really even know what the specifics Right. Of the characters are, even though they're implying there are specific characters, the same as in masks. Um, which would have been more uh, interesting if it's like I, they Dex are, was. I didn't think they were implying that. Dex. They aren't? Then what's the I, expl- I didn't. I'm saying I didn't think. I'm not saying they aren't. I'm saying I didn't think they were implying that. Oh, that was my, that was my understanding of what was going on. Uh, that's uh, like. Dax being like, I guess it's sort of like Dax is the fool of the court, sort of. But it's like, well, you never underlined it or explained who she is or why, why, I, why. Sisko's I think Dax muddies clock. it. Dax is Dax muddies it the most. I agree. Um, and Cisco, according to Minoski, he was trying to go for. Let's see, what did he say? Uh. Joe Minoski had Cisco making a clock was to try to convey to the audience that he had become an obsessive, quirky Emperor Rudolph type who fussed with mechanical bits and pieces. Like, no mention of, like, any proxy in the civilization right? that these people would be. But it seems like you Which would I be- think muddies it. It muddies it. Right. It's like if you're going to have it their, their, their characterization be that specific, you should make it that specific. But then, because it's so early in the show, right. I don't think it matters. Right. Because but then you're, you're also drawing parallels so that it's like, it's not a full distinction. Like, Dax is a full distinction of character, but it's like the Cisco and Kira thing is kind of like, oh, yeah, they would have differences of interest a little bit. And then when they land at the end back at, like, they're, okay, well, I guess they, they're back to... Um, you know, mutual respect, and that's how they will proceed. It doesn't seem like it's, I don't know, it's just a weird place to land as, it wasn't like, boy, we were at each other's throats, and now it's okay. It's like, which I don't know, maybe falls in the Deep Space Nine ambivalent ending category. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But like, to me, I, as the episode went on and on I figured it was a because the Klingons are the ones that found the information right yet they were all affected by the virus so no one could see what was really happening right but they knew that it was a civilization that had destroyed itself right 
uh, but they couldn't see, you know, the forest or the trees. And instead, seemingly, it worked inside the Klingons' own personalities to make, you know. To me, it seems like if that alien consciousness went into us, it would make us be fighting over the podcast or something. Or, like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. it would just go, like, what's the natural thing for these beings that I'm inside of right now? Right. Where's the natural conflict? But I guess then that suggests to me, what is the dramatic structure or sort of satisfying element that you're going for? Uh, it's like with, with the Misaka one, even though it's a, a bonkers episode, and I don't know what we enjoyed it, it's like, well, this is like... Or the episode with um, where Troy and is it Worf are taken over by the evil aliens? Like that's like oh, this is Power a point. hard left. Like the and dynamics wouldn't be the same. It's a totally different character. That's why it's interesting to watch. In this, I they're going for it's kind of similar. It kind of plays on, but it's still like they're still Chief O'Brien. They're still Dax. They're still Cisco. Mm-hmm. It's not like a possession. Yeah. You know, I guess instead it's a it's a telepathic sowing of mistrust. I guess they're going for it to be sort of similar. It's just muddy. Why would they make it similar? Fucking remember who else was in that episode that got turned into somebody else? That's right, Chief O'Brien. This already happened to him once. Did it? When did it happen? He was in power play. He was oh. on the away team mission. Oh, there you go. Probably pieces of the Klingon secondary hull. It's possible their mission recorder is somewhere in Because, the- like, at first, like, actually, this scene was the most helpful for me in following what I thought the plot was, and it may have muddied it more for me. Yeah. Because he's doing this whole, like, so where do your, where do your allegiances lie? Like, when the shit hits the fan, where are you going to be? You're going to yeah. be with the Federation, right? But, like, to be having that conversation and to also go uh, still scanning for debris and, like, still doing his job. Right. I thought was, like, oh, I see what they're... they're I was like, oh, they're they're themselves. They're themselves for sure. Uh huh. So like, I'm like, oh, what's so? What's going on? What's behind this crazily paranoid paranoia? The debris, the magnetic field from the duranium could be masking it. Let's get a little closer. Major Kira's become awfully aggressive toward Commander Cisco lately about station policy. An honest difference of opinion. What if it's more than a difference of opinion? What if Kira thinks the Bajorans don't need us on DS9? It is their station. That would be suicidal. Without a Federation presence, Bajor would be vulnerable again to the Cardassians. Well, that doesn't mean there aren't plenty of misguided Bajorans who think they can go it alone. You've become quite friendly with Major Kira, haven't you? Have I? Well, yes, I suppose I have, if you say so. Well, I wouldn't get too friendly with the natives if I were you. Remember where your loyalties lie. Of course. Benjamin and I have been close for a long time, hand in glove. I'm on his side, no question about it. That reminds me of the time we found ourselves... (laughs) Anyone who's against Cisco is against me. Really kind of, kind of, I kind of love as much as I have critiques for all the stuff we just said. I kind of love that her character is just—it's like she's being possessed 
by an alien that just kind of has ADD and keeps yammering and I says off-topic stories. And the possession is confused by the, all the personalities in her. I oh. think that's what's going on. I think it's bouncing around. It seems like it's consistent, though. It seems like it to me. It felt like it bounced around, and I thought that's what it was going for. And maybe I put more stock in it than than Minoski did, but and I'm like retroactively trying to feed the beast here. Can I help you, Major? Oh, you always manage to help me, Odo. In fact, I think we work pretty well together, you and I. Yes, I suppose our relationship has always been cooperative exactly and that's just what i need right now your cooperation i'm convinced the valerians have dolomite on board but the evidence is still circumstantial i need solid proof i want you to slip past their security systems and into their cargo bay because even this, right, this isn't even, yes, this is going against Cisco's wishes, but it's, it's, she's still trying to find the evidence. Right. So, I think in her mind, there's still a chance for Cisco to see that she was right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. It's unclear. Meanwhile, there's a pretty fun scene with bored Cisco here. Of course, Major Kira heard about it immediately. She must have spies everywhere. You mean the captain has gone insane? He executed two of crew members. Every medical officer. My quarters. Violence. Predicted by those energy spheres back from Sultan. Believing the captain's spy. They slid it. Show is terrible. I've seen enough. There's more. Klingon's mission must have failed. That failure caused problems on board. I couldn't care less what happened to a Klingon ship. Well, the Klingons might want to know. What? <laughs> it's another funny. I don't know. Maybe I'm underselling this. Maybe it's funny that they're all like. But see, that then they should have gone hard for that. That it's. A bunch of people who are taken over and do not give a crap. I guess that's what Naked Now is. Right. They don't care that the ship is yeah. in danger. But I mean, yeah. Dax and I problem. Any direction I guess if they everybody's go been I think I think they missed like a look from Odo or something there. Yeah. Like when he says I don't care what happened to a Klingon ship, like Odo should like look at him yeah. look at Cisco and clock it because he's the only one in here who's not affected. Yeah, Odo's definitely. I mean, they definitely have had looks from him though, where he's like, "What's going on?" Here we that are. That drink looks fantastic. A Modella aperitif. It's bright and sweet, much like yourself, Lieutenant. I'll put it on your tab. The bad flatteries on the house. The two loveliest creatures on DS9. I must be living correctly to be so, so blessed. What can I do for you, Major? Get lost. Rude. As you wish. Oh, you lost Princess Bride. I'll use my giant ears over here. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's a great uh, feature for Frangies. Full officer on this station. Then, please, 
is Kira flirting with Dax in the scene? Not bad. I didn't think it at first, but watching it now, I'm like, yeah, maybe. For Quark, it is good. I couldn't imagine running this station without you. She seems to be flirting with everybody she needs to flirt with. Well, this is what I kind of was saying. What I like about this is it's like whatever is inhabiting them is the idea that it's taking them over and using tendencies that they would have that perhaps they wouldn't employ because they're more moral people. But like... Kira was in, you know, the underground resistance. Like she certainly must have flirted and done whatever she had to do to get, you know, to mm-hmm. support the resistance. So I like that this is like, all right, all the the safety protocols are off. She's just going to do whatever she has to do. But in the end, it's like, is that what we're supposed to take away from this, or is this a total personality change? Or it's like none of it, you know. Yeah, the same thing. It's frustrating because that's interesting. Or a nephew. Some kind of close relative, anyway. Chitsia, listen to me. <laughs> she's trying to do her I'm intrigue, and she's just Cisco. irritated. One way or the other. Don't force me to get rid of you as well. <laughs> He's so taken aback that he dropped his glass. And then I do like that he comes in uh, like a fucking... Ambulance chasing defendant. <laughs> Convince Dax to take her side against Cisco. And did Dax seem persuaded? What difference does that make? I was attacked. Answer the question. I, I couldn't tell. She was on the fence. Doesn't Kira's behavior seem a little out of the ordinary? And the others. At the staff briefing, Cisco was bored as if he couldn't be bothered about running the station. We all know that and he loves sheer... running the station. It's what he lives for. <laughs> Who wouldn't love running the station? Since when is he so concerned about station politics? He's an idiot who just likes ladies and medicine. <laughs> That's his characterization. There's Don't room for nothing way. else. I'm perfectly normal. Yes, I suppose you are. But the other thing is, he should have been employing... Corkmore uh, in this episode. He's he's the only one he can trust, even though he can't trust him. It's an interesting dynamic for them to explore. I think they do explore it pretty well here. Oh no! I want satisfaction! You mean in the scene? Yeah. yeah. But that's it. He's just sort of questioning him. He doesn't. I was kind of hoping he would bring him in later. Six. Where's Commander Cisco? In his quarters where he's safe. Quarters. Still, able to hide a thumb-right device under beam near the reactor deck 26. Rep taken prisoner. I will blow up this ship and transport to safety. I've got the best plan. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Commander. Hello, Constable. How are you today? Concerned, sir. I mean, I love the performance. Afternoon. How inappropriate. 
but what is it saying? I don't Commander, know. Commander, I think something might be wrong with some of us. Ever since the Klingon ship exploded and their first officer beamed over, certain behaviors and attitudes have been abnormal. There appears to have been a mutiny on the Klingon ship. I wouldn't go so far as to say the same thing is happening on DS9, but I do find some disturbing parallels. If something's bothering you, Odo, tell it to Mr. O'Brien. That's what he's there for. Coco, Coco, Coco. <laughs> it's just the clock, everybody. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, what, what if think? I ever had to stand on ceremony clock. with you, Act break. <laughs> I need your help. I hurt my I back in a stairway. <laughs> what do you? Berman won't leave me I alone. <laughs> <laughs> Berman's making me stay on set, but he keeps telling everyone he made me go to the hospital. Then he said something about my fucking makeup. I don't get it. There's <laughs> time. I can't take any chances, even with you. When the time comes, you'll know it. I wonder I'll if the flirting you. was written into the script or if that was her, her choice. First off. I mean, it could have been either because of the quote from her in this memory alpha during the episode. And our visitor slipped away. Oh, that was the slipped on the wet stairway. But they also said that she. Where is it? Marvelous time. It was a lot of fun. It was interesting to see how uh, used to each other and the characters we've been playing we are. To see Avery behaving in a certain way and Siddig and Terry in different mindsets was fun. I came and watched scenes I wasn't involved in just to see what was going on. That is fun. But, like, I'm not sure if that sheds any light on. No. I think that's her choice, though. I, I think she's choosing to play it like that. From that quote. Right. Like, she's like, oh, I wonder what everybody else is doing. I found a thing. <laughs> well, this is Journal Day 22. I said Kira's real flirt. of the fifth planet proved to be a waste of time. This world is not worthy of a Klingon colony. All we found were a collection of energy spheres, which possess some type of telepathic archive. The spheres described an ancient power struggle that destroyed a race called the Sultana. We will forward our results to our science division. So that's it, right? That's, he puts it together. Ah, man. Raise a Federation attack force and return. And on that day, we'll get rid of all your enemies. How do we proceed? I need a few more hours to free up the Valerian ship. I've already talked to their captain. He's more than happy to take us back to Federation space. He whispers through the clock. Masaka is waking. A little bit. A little bit. You yeah. completed your he autopsy does a of the Klingon. Of course. You know, Odo. So 
Here's some general trivia that surprised me. This episode is a favorite of Ira Stephen Bear. (laughs) Is it really, Ira? (laughs) What do you like most about it? (laughs) The fact that he didn't write it? Chronic insomnia. I think it's hormonal. So, how are you? I take it you've completed your autopsy of the Klingon. Now, this is an, this is cleverly done, where Odo susses out what Bashir, like how to convince Bashir yes. to do what he needs him to do. Yes, I like this, too. You know, Odo, events have been moving rather rapidly since our last conversation. I'd advise you to choose sides now, or risk finding yourself without any friends at all. The Klingon, Doctor, what did you find? He's still... Dead, if that's what you mean. I don't have time for jokes. Your findings could determine who controls this station. How? All in good time. First, tell me about the Klingon. Well, I found nothing very unusual. The corner cells in his brainstem, perhaps. The membrane permeability was off. What could cause that? Any number of things. Could it have something to do with telepathy? The Klingons were studying the telepathic archives of an ancient race. If those archives were contained in a self-sustaining energy matrix, that could explain the changes in the Klingon's brain. Could that energy matrix have somehow caused them to reenact the power struggle that destroyed the Sultanans? Possibly. What are you getting at? Doctor, I believe the Klingon brought the Matrix with him, and everyone in Ops was affected except me. Without a humanoid brain, my system rejected it. An interesting theory, Constable. But I'm certainly not behaving out of the ordinary. (laughs) Of course not. But what if you and I are the only two who aren't affected? Do you think we could use this to our advantage? Exactly. (laughs) Tell me your plan. The first thing we have to do is figure out how to remove the field from everyone affected. Then we'd lose our advantage. Would you prefer that someone blew up the station? I see your point. The power to control the energy matrix is the power to control this station. If I could determine the natural resonance frequencies of this telepathic field... I might be able to generate an interference signal which could drive it out. Do it. I promise, Doctor, you won't regret it. I do like when they present Odo as kind of like a TV detective in the best sense, the ones that sort of really use their wits to trick people into doing what they need and revealing the, the, uh, you know, the truth and so forth. And it's sort of like when he quickly figured out who stole... Luxana's necklace in the last one. I hope they keep going in that direction. Because I think it's a great angle for the character. Breakthrough and the Valerian ship will be ready to go. Commander, I have the report you asked for on those weapon scanners. Give it to Mr. O'Brien. I really think you should see this, sir. Commander! (laughs) Little taste of uh, Cisco going nuts. So I don't hold it against the uh, the actor uh, for specific acting, but um, <laughs> this guy slowly raising is clearly directed to this slowly raising this little this little thing to stick uh, Cisco with. 
holding it high above his head, <laughs> like giving O'Brien all the time in the world to realize it. It's just like clearly it was just blocked wrong. If I put it in his field of view, it'll be perfect. <laughs> it's just um, so like... <laughs> I have to... I have a board. Clapping. Three, two, one. So, Andy, I just uh, paused the pod, FaceTimed with the Myras. Mary says hello. Hello, Mary. <laughs> uh, my dad also said hello. He's like, tell him I said hi, too. I was like, all right. Hello, John. <laughs> so there you go. It's Dad's birthday. The recording, we're recording this on Pi Day. 3.14 is Pi. John, you should be very honored that uh, your son remembers your birthday. You should be. Okay, <laughs> better, think, than, you know, better than old Secunda gets. May 20th. <laughs> yeah, we'll Never. see. Never going away. <laughs> Never going out of my brain again. Not after the embarrassing stunt you pulled. <laughs> of having having my having my birthday on a day you forgot it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sandbagging me with a recording. <laughs> Look, I just read a bunch of hails with a bunch of people wishing me a happy birthday because uh, they know what day my birthday is. Uh, if only if only I knew who was in charge of the hails and knew what to read. Oh, wait, it's you. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> hey, before we get going on that, uh, yes. I wanted to read. Uh, where is it? Of course, I now I only had like an hour to. And now it's lost. All right, whatever. I'll, I'll circle back. Read it. a poem you've been working on for a while. And <laughs> this is appropriate to share. now. This is the right time for me to. <laughs> um, it's it's lost in my in my million. Um, 450,000. Um, Here we yeah. go. Go ahead. Dax Akira. Ah. <laughs> Starts with the back end. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a pretty conscious effort from Calm to backhand her. Yeah. And not like Star Trek collar grab slug. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he thinks it's it's more gentlemanly. <laughs> I think so, honestly. I think that's what he was going for. Is it Kira? Did Kira put you up to this? No. That guy really is like <laughs> really is establishing that he's a badass. Protecting Kira. Oh yeah, I love he jumps down too. You know, would it make sense that? That O'Brien could take her that easily? What are you talking about? A trill? I don't know if they have any strength that is like... Yeah, but they have... bat. This is the same question I asked in the previous thing where she was taken hostage. Doesn't she have like a lifetime of battle training? And then there was a debate of, well, who are the trills inside and, her? And, and is it like the Matrix where you suddenly learn Kung Fu when a, when a trill gets inside of you that knew Kung Fu? I don't know. It seems like it would have to. Otherwise, what's the big advantage of being inside of having a trill? If you don't get to learn the things that it learns. I guess. Snoozeville. Oh, my God. I found the thing that I was trying to find. Go uh, for it. Which is, uh, it's from Memory Alpha, but it touches on many of the things. Uh, This episode is a favorite of Iris Stephen Bear, who feels it was a bold move to do a show like this so early in the series. It was a third season show that we had the nerve to do it in the first season. Anybody else would say, you need to know the characters better before you twist them like this. 
But seeing Kira, uh, seeing Kira come on to Dax, I don't care if it's the first season or the third season, people are going to be interested in that. Oh, come on to Dax. <laughs> That's his big feature. That's... <laughs> That all... answers my question of was she flirting? Yeah, I guess that's what this episode <laughs> would have hard going what for he it. was intending. If, I if, feel like she's she's flirting with everybody. If you uh, had no like, yeah, it's uh, no qualms about it being a tw- character twist so early in the run, which is his first statement, right? Then I guess sure the flirt the what did he call it coming on to or uh uh yeah but uh, seeing kira come on to dex <laughs> i don't care if it's first season or the third season people are going to be interested in that then i guess then that that's an accurate depiction but to me uh, then that's of what of what the audience would respond to it's kind of the same question as the other stuff that I want to know, which is, are you suggesting that this is lurking inside Kira? I think it's probably more likely you're saying that Kira is someone who, if if you are saying that's that that really is Kira coming out of Kira, then it's you're saying Kira is someone who, in dark situations, will do what she has to 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 accomplish her ends. Um, but I like the idea that they're exploring like. Oh, or is there some some interesting, you know, vibe between Kira and Dex that has not yet been explored? Mm. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's even necessarily what it doesn't sound like. That's this is the part of the problem is his argument is we had the boldness to do in the in this early in the season, but it's like, well, do what? Are you revealing something about the characters? Right. Is this just a twist on the characters? If it's a twist on the characters, what are you accomplishing? <laughs> and all that's all that's messy. So I don't agree with uh, the the very talented I, and skilled and lauded writer Iris Stephen Bear's take on this episode. I think it is, but this is like sort of what I'm saying is like it's, the characters are too fresh, right? To, He's saying to the do this. opposite of what you're saying. He's saying it was bold, yeah. and it's like, and I'm like it was no, bold yeah, because um, people would say you were wrong because you are wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's bold maybe in opposite town people like it. You know what I mean? Right. Opposite town. It's the opposite of real towns. There's yeah. a reason people say don't do certain things in a show, and it's because there's a low probability of it working. Now, if you can make it work, then... then oh, yeah, then you're, you're a hero. But I don't think they did. <laughs> Except for Cisco's insane performance. <laughs> Holding the little microchip. Yeah, I don't like that Dax is so easily taken out. I get it. I get what you're saying. She has she has a bunch of weak, knobbly need trills inside her trill well, personalities. Again, she's, yeah, she's back and forth with everything. She wasn't ready for it, and uh, you gotta figure. Colmini is the strongest person on on the station. Is he? He's a tech guy. He's probably the strong. He's he's an Irish fighter. You're just though, saying you that because he's Irish. <laughs> well, I'm saying because he's Colmini. Because he's all stocky. I guess if everybody on that show. Avery Brooks would probably win the most fights, but Colm would be a very close second. Avery Brooks or Cisco? Avery Brooks. I'm talking about the actors now. I see. Um, I mean, O'Brien 
does have his sleeves constantly rolled up for a fight, so he yeah, would have always, that edge. He's always ready to stand <laughs> 1920s boxer style, bare-fisted, <laughs> bare-knuckle brawling. He certainly does look Dexter, like that guy. We're supposed to deactivate the transporter. I forgot. <laughs> like, what is that? I don't I know. I forgot. I mean, what if they went even farther and, and then Kira just kissed her? <laughs> and then just walked away. Just like, what? What's going on? You're sure we can trust him? I don't see that we have any choice. Cisco to Odo. It's Odo also here. interesting that O'Brien, even in manic, uh, you know, treacherous mode, mm-hmm. is acting like kind of like O'Brien and that he's being the most logical about how to go about it. <laughs> right. It's weird. I think that that's the kind of like the... Um, but then why do that with that O'Brien? To me, that like that to me is a point in favor of it's it's their personalities. But then just do that with Cisco and Dax with the too. Twists. Like have it's like also with Cisco. It seems like even for instance with this face off with the with the security guard, it's like it feels like you're the show is saying, well. Cisco is possessed, and so in his possessed state, he's going to fight with this guy. But in fighting with this guy, he's going to employ Cisco's strength and battle abilities to beat him. But if that's the case, why not ditch all the stuff with the clock and his weird behavior and just have it be they all of their paranoia and feelings of treachery and defensiveness has been elevated but they are all going to act to the top of their intelligence to try and beat the other people. Mm. Like, really have, like, fucking... If Kira tried to take over the station and Cisco tried to defend against taking over the station and they didn't give a shit about, you know, uh, preserving life, what would happen? That's the show I want to see. And don't forget about... Oh, no. And more. Well, and Odo should have teamed up with Morn in this episode. He wasn't yeah. on the. He wasn't in Ops. He, he did. He did. Morn was in it. On our side. We need your help, Constable. You've got to clear us a path to the Valerian ship. Take crossover bridge one to the cargo bay entrance into docking port four. I'll keep it open for you. Crossover right, bridge one. Go out. <laughs> really thought you were going for docking bay four. That's funny. <laughs> Either way. Counts. Hey, I got a question. Mm-hmm. How much do you think Morn was paid per ep? No lines. Featured extra always because of the makeup. Yeah. What a fucking nightmare. You fucking sit for four hours with that makeup and you only get featured extra? No, you must have paid him more than that. That looks like, but that that makeup doesn't look particularly terrible because it. I think it's one physical it's like appliance. Piece. Yeah. And they just do some, some gluing around the eyes. and. Doesn't he get a lot of eye motion and shit? Yeah, they, but I'm talking about they glue around the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, what am I? A guy that knows this stuff? No. But I'm going <laughs> to confidently tell you it's real. What's and I'm going to underconfidently act like I don't know anything. <laughs> Kira to Odo. Odo. Go ahead, Major. Whose side are you on, Constable? Yours, of course. See, this really? fits into this. Then why are you helping Cisco escape? On the contrary. You'll find him trapped in Cargo Bay 4. Consider it my gift to you. Oh, my apologies. We'll see you there. Kira out. Well done. 
Vandica. <laughs> We're running out of time, Doctor. I'm just about finished. I've set up an ionic interference signal in cargo bay four, calibrated to lock onto the resonance frequencies of the telepathic field and drive it out of all those affected. And what will happen to it then? It'll remain suspended as long as the interference is in effect. I don't know. This so part I is need the to know. Shakiest of the uh, part of the episode. Uh, that it just becomes a cloud. <laughs> it becomes a cloud that somehow can be affected by a vacuum of space. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you know energy clouds that affect personalities? That's what they do. So, this is how it all ends. <laughs> For you. You know what disturbs me? The ingratitude. I offered you my kindness, my help. My leadership. I would like it if he was doing this as a gambit. Pay me with betrayal. But you won't get rid of me so easily. You see, unlike you, I understand history. <laughs> My name will blaze across the stars long after your petty treacheries have been forgotten. But you won't be here to see it. Major, wait. Glad you two could make it. Computer, execute Aldo One. What if that's like he names a playlist that one day and forgets that he also has this in the computer system? <laughs> Finally, let's consummate. Play Odo One. Oh, no! It's worse than I thought it would be. We haven't done anything yet. The card comes in. That's my playlist. <laughs> I can't believe they're all hanging. They're all hanging under crates. Yeah, he says everybody they hang should, on. It seems like everybody picked the worst sucked thing. Out. They should all be sucked out of this space. thousand percent. Oh, I see. They're strapped down. It's okay. What an annoying failsafe to have them strapped down in there. Welcome back, everybody. I don't know. Maybe this is... I'm sure, I know this is nitpicking. Commander's law. It seems like it would have been so simple to just throw in one more line of, you know, sci-fi gobbledygook of, like, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this to, you know, to affect the energy field and disperse it into space or, or contain it in this blah. Yeah, or like, like a noise cancellation headphone we're going to... Right, you know, fire off something at the opposite amplitude or and wavelength, and then it'll it'll dissipate. Yeah, or the sound just yeah, like the sound just kills it, as opposed to I guess they don't want to have them kill the the creatures, but seems like fucking dicks anyway. Well, we also, about, we don't oh, know. No. We've never. Yeah. We, there's no clear explanation. I understand that the history of it. There's no clear explanation of exactly what's going on. Or it's a fucking energy, man. <laughs> Whoa! Amber um, is the color of your energy. One other thing: uh, there's a Bajoran to the left of Kira. Kira had her pick of any of the Bajoran henchmen. <laughs> that guy looks like he's from accounting. That guy's not a good henchman. Report everything and everyone aboard DS9 has returned to normal. And then well, the it had to be one of the ops people; otherwise, they wouldn't have been infected. 
And the thing is, uh, Cisco during this does some d- d- during this thing does some like some weird twitchy hand business. It's yeah, really, it's really it's, effective. It's, it's really like, good. It's the best stuff ever. Yeah, yeah. even though you that, famously a, don't yeah. like Cisco Avery Brooks's choices. Well, the choices that I critiqued were when he was being Cisco, not when he was being, you know, possessed by some kind of energy demon. <laughs> One and the same. Did you really build that? Apparently so. Why? I have no idea. I know that none of us was really responsible for our actions, but... Now, is that even true? I feel I owe you an apology. I don't know. Attempted mutiny. Well, yes. I think we'll let it go. This time. Because none of us understands exactly what happened. We know not how this is meant to be interpreted but I do have a nice clock now which will be part of my props for a long time to come <laughs> I'm very talented alright he loves that clock both versions of Cisco love that fucking clock <laughs> let's do this oh hey look we get to listen to the whole thing Well, it's the MVC. Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kira Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's a Brian, Bashir, and even Quark. And don't forget about Odo and Borg. What is not MVC? Yeah. Can't forget about Odo in this one. Because it's Odo. Right? Odo is clearly the MVC. Congratulations, Odo. Now, let's do the thing everybody's been waiting for all this time. Some Andes. How many Andes does this episode get? I mean, you know, I received Barry's got a point. It's fun to watch Garrett flirt with Dex. Uh, it's fun to see Dex act like a like a fucking pothead. Um, you know, the performance by Cisco is is uh, you know classically theatrical in a way that that is somewhat justified. But what is this episode? I couldn't <laughs> like, tell it's you. Just, it's another fucking mind control one. They, we've been to the well a billion times. They're not doing something new. They're doing it too early. They never explain what's going on, really. It's like, what is it? It's, 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 just, it's just a waste of time. Waste of good DS9 time. So, if it's a waste of good DS9 time. I give it a three. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's sort of exactly where it is, I guess. Might even be lower than that for me. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Although I do like the oh, I'll get let's get some redeeming qualities here. I do like the Odo and Quark stuff. Yeah, and Odo kind of going through it methodically and figuring out with Bashir. 
I do like the uh, the uh, do I like the Bashir stuff as much as you? I don't know. I don't know if I love it. It's just something. I like this. I like the shade of O'Brien. This paranoid shade of O'Brien. I would have liked to see him go further. Yeah, sure, I agree. That's the hundred percent. That is exactly the problem. It's like ah, we're doing it early, so it's whatever. It's like yeah, but you're not even going that far. Yeah. Everybody's sort of just a dick. Yep. But that Cisco sure can make a clock. So and I give that, it a I give it a two. Two went down. Thought you were going to go up. That's what I meant. Three? Did I say three at first? I, I agreed with you with You three, didn't right? say anything. You oh. sort of said it's about that. Because I was like in two and a half. I'm going to give it yeah. 2.5 then. Congratulations, me. I've really done nothing. <laughs> Uh, thanks everybody. We're sorry this episode was so long, but so uh, long. we couldn't help ourselves, you know? Enjoy us while we're in your ears as you're commuting or running or walking or just having a good time. Folding laundry. That's a good activity for podcasts. Drawing portraits of Matt and I. That's another good activity. Write in and tell us activities that you do while podcasting. <laughs> Podcast list. Disengage.